podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, hello everybody and welcome to the 386th edition of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. I'm your host, Steve Wellings. Joining me on the call, big weekend brings out all the big numbers. Just me and Andy so far, hopefully the big numbers. And they're going to fly on at some point later on in the evening, going live on YouTube from 8 o'clock every Sunday. The Patreon RSS feed updates shortly after the show concludes. Don't forget you can find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and also Amazon Podcasts now. Apparently, if you go to your Alexa, Alexa, Roma, Angulo, and say, give me some boxing, give me a bit of boxing, you daft wench, you get the Boxing Asylum now on Amazon Podcasts, as well as SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Don't forget to leave a review on the podcast player of your choice throughout the entire month of August. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Hopefully, you can hear me okay, Andy. How are you, sir? Not bad, my friend. Not bad. Uh, busy weekend all round. Um, yeah, it's just like the old days and that before a lockdown, you know, you got fights overlapping with other ch- uh, other uh, shows and stuff like that. Uh, a few shocking decisions, uh, big knockouts and that. So yeah, it was a it was a mixed bag, but generally a kind of decent weekend. The uh, fights all round. Yeah, there was stuff happening over in the UK. We're going to get onto the fight camp later on, fight camp three. Looking for Aussie to join us. He's having his tea at the moment. Uh, Carl Frampton as well was in action. John O'Carroll. Hopefully to have uh, a guest from that uh, card, that show in Wakefield, I think it was on Wednesday evening. Seems a long time ago now, jumping on at some point. Let's start off, though, shall we, over in, where was this, actually? It's a good question. Let me just bring it up. David Benavidez, I'm talking about, by the way, going in against Angulo. Uh, They're in some bubble somewhere, tucked away on the PBC, or the PVC, as Oscar De La Hoya was calling it on Value of the Weeks. We'll be getting to Value of the Weeks later. Quite a few crackers, including a certain referee in Oklahoma, it was Uncasville, Connecticut, USA, David Benavidez, 10th round retirement win over Roma, Alexis Angulo. I was um, shitting a little bit on Angulo on the last week. Didn't think he was the greatest opponent, but I was listening to an American podcast during the week. and They were they were making a case for him. This is a decent fighter, hard-punching guy. Went the distance once before in his only loss against Gilberto Ramirez. He's not a bad opponent for Benavidez. I know we're going to shit on Benavidez because of what he did, Andy, coming in overweight and that. We both thought he looked a bit like Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., the way he was a little bit fleshy, looked a little bit drawn at the same time, poking out the gum shield, like that sort of buck teeth look. But I like the look of this guy. He's open to the left hook, but his left hook to the body was killing Angulo all night. Nice classic Mexican move. You want to shit on him first, but also I was loving some of the moves he was doing. Yeah, I mean, it was good, um, I must admit. <clears throat> but um, at the end of the day, he was expected to do that if he made weight or not. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, he just beat the guy up. But in the end, it was just, he was just forced, forced to pull him out in the end. I think he landed you know, numerous punches, heavy shots. Uh, like he, he, well, I kind of got the impression he tried to pace himself, um, probably because uh, the weight situation and that. As, as, as we were discussing off air, um, facially anyway, he kind of gave across that impression of uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. And that when he's had a bad weight cut, doesn't kind of really replenish himself. I didn't think he looked too healthy, shall we say, in the ring and stuff. But yeah, he got the job done. It was expected of him and stuff. But, um, you know, fair play to him as well. I mean, he's been world champion twice, lost it twice and still undefeated. So, uh, yeah, it takes some going that. But um, didn't he attempt to weigh in the second time round? Just 23-year-old and he's struggling to make weight in that. But I suppose, you know, detractors might say, you know, if, if the hype is real, let him, let him move up to 175 and uh, see him fight people his own size and that because uh, clearly he's starting to outgrow the weight. Uh, either that or he's just absolutely just taking it for granted that uh, you know his, his skills and his ability and that's going to be enough to get him through fights and that and just not taking uh, it seriously. I mean, he, he held his hands up, he admitted, you know, he's, he's to be professional, he's been professional now eight years or something like that. 
Um, he's got a job to do, and that's making weight. As that, that's one of them, and he failed to do it. So he deserves all the shit for that. Um, he did say he might suck himself down for one more fight to make Khalid Plant, who's been, you know, he's been heavy on him as well, and that's saying, you know, basically roasted him basically for no making weight and you know failing drugs tests for cocaine and stripping the titles and stuff. So, you know, the, the other thing that kind of like strike me as well. Can you imagine, Steve? You know, Yildirim now winning the WBC belt and then unifying against Callum Smith or like a Eubank rematch and stuff. It doesn't bear thinking about it. And one six, you know, just 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 Benavidez doing that. You know, the whole division, 168 is just trash, man. You know, it's just, it's just, it's a quagmire, as I say on Twitter the other day there. It's just, there's nothing happening. Um, another thing as well is, that, you know, I don't even think that moving up to 175 is going to do him any good because does the PBC got any opponents for him up there? I'm not, I can't think off the top of my head. Um, no, I'm not the top of my head. I can think off at the minute anyway, but... Uh, I'm, I'm just, salivating, Andy, at the idea of him maybe going in against the Arta Baturbiev. Obviously, there's issues there promotionally, but could you imagine Baturbiev against Benavides? That would be a war. Yeah, it could be um, definitely. Well, yeah, I mean, I would probably favour Baturbiev and stuff to be honest with you. But I think both guys would probably probably just meet each other in the ring, actually, uh, bang away. But um, yeah, I says I'm not wanting to go too heavy on, but any day as well is it's disappointing because he's just kind of like you know. What's he going to do? Is he going to go and wait? He's, he's basically, the way he's talking is he's only going to make, try and make 168 for one fight only, and that's going to be Cully Plant, just purely because he's been talking shit about him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's clearly in a bit of, well, not, not in a bit of a kind of quandary at the minute and that, but he's no belt. You know, he's, he's, going to, he's just going to have to make a decision in that, and I dare say the PBC will look after him in that, but um, he needs to you know, get himself sorted out and say, listen, what am I going to do? 168 or 175? Um, but one seven five, as you see, I think I think that, that that's going to, have to be the next call because unless we can get the plant fight made this year and stuff, which is probably not going to happen, he's probably going to have to have defenses to make it his his belt and stuff shortly. So you know, it's going to be pushing the next year possibly. And just you know, and Benavides is going to get older, he's going to get bigger, he's going to just gonna he's just going to outgrow the weight eventually. So I just think we're going to we're going to miss that fight unfortunately. Yeah, I've seen him fight live, Benavides. He is an absolute unit. Now, the guy he was fighting at the time was like a little squat or his Beck who was about flipping five foot tall, but uh, Benavides is, is the part. Now, that plant fight you're mentioning, Benavides doesn't have the WBC anymore. So that's actually, a, if, if he can only make one more fight, I'm sort of glad he hasn't got to like defend against a yield rim or something. You know, fuck mm -hmm. that belt off. We all know Politics. he's... We all know he's technically the champion. He's he's t he's probably the best fighter at the weight anyway, so he didn't even need that. Fight against Plant for his IBF, if that can be made. Don't know how high he is in the rankings. The IBF are usually quite stringent about that. I think it would be a real shame, Andy, if Benavidez were to move up without that. It's a natural fight. They're both PBC. They're both young, hungry, undefeated guys. I think that would be a real shame if the Plant versus Benavidez fight didn't happen at 168 before one or both moved up. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you say about the WBC, you've got the politics situation, so you've not got that, that, that issue anymore, but then you could also have the problem with IBF for the second day away, and it's no unification mm. fight, Good you usually, usually scrap that and stuff, so with Benavidez, if they want, you know, you know that £10, is that going to be enough for him? I don't think so, just basing him off that there last night, he just didn't look healthy, he paced himself, but at the end of the day as well, I think, even at that, I would still give him enough to actually beat Plant, actually, but I, mean, you know, I like Plant, but I just think Benavidez is, is, is stronger, Taller and more powerful than what Kelly Plant is. But yeah, let's see. I think I think I think Big Al could possibly, you know, try and talk and run that. I mean, Al can talk fighters out of you know vacating belts, for example. You know, he'll look after him, I would think. So um, oh, yeah. you know, he could he could possibly talk run to kind of you know vacate belts and get that fight made, just you know, get a, a decent payday, just forget about the title. You know, and they don't even have the sanction fees to pay, so everybody wins. 
That's a good point. Uh, for, for Benavidez, he's so young as well. The fact that he's missing the weight and he's tight at the weight doesn't seem to affect him going late in fights. I know he had the, that struggle with uh, Ricky Gravel, as uh, Gabe calls him, Ronald Gravriel that time. But against Angulo, no, there wasn't an awful lot coming as the fight went on. He was really hammering Angulo, battering him with those shots. Angulo's very limited, says Nathan in the chat, but very tough and rugged. Benavidez was way too much. He was with the jab, with the head shots, particularly that left hook to the body. Against Plant, you'd like to think that he'd be able to make maintain the pace. He seems to get stronger as the fights go on. Now, that won't happen if he's still struggling with the weight as he gets into his late 20s because it'd be a lot more difficult to him. But um, I think Plant will give him a right good fight. I think Angulo had a bit of a Edison Miranda vibe about him. You know, he's a tough night work for anyone, can definitely punch, came wobbling out as if he could barely stand up straight. Nice afro, always a big fan of an afro like that as well myself. And I thought that Angulo was pretty good. One thing I was going to mention to you, Andy, before I give a shout out to the boys in the chat, does the PBC need to get tougher? Now, they might be behind the scenes, but get tougher on these weighing things, or do they almost indulge unprofessionalism? You've got Benavidez running around the place with the cocaine, missing weight. Javonta Davis, they don't think he's going to make the weight against Santa Cruz to such an extent that they've put two belts on the line from different divisions. Luis <laughs> Nairi as well. I mean, mm -hmm. is, are, are they indulging Bruno. unprofessionalism? Bruno. Mm. Um, yeah, oh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's the fighters that are the version of unprofessionalism in the day. I mean, the PBC can only do their bit, you know, they make the fights for them, you know, they're giving them the, giving them the dates. As I say, is the fighters got two jobs make weight, turn up and fight. That is it. And uh, the fighters, some of these fighters are just not doing it. And uh, just want to lay reference to that. I mean, this WBC convention, they were talking about wanting to bring in a new weight division above heavyweight because it's a dreadnought weight and stuff. I mean, what is the fucking point of this? I mean, what is the point of bringing all these weight divisions when you've got fighters just you know, cramming themselves into the smallest division that they can get into, probably, like, push themselves close to, like, you know, dehydration and death and stuff like that. I mean, fucking state of Benavidez and Chavez in that early years, Nere trying to make weight. Just disgraceful. Rios and stuff. You know, you want to make another division so these guys have got, you know, can, you know they can step up even more. I just... I just don't know. I mean, as I say, it's, you know, it's just weight cheating in the day. If, if, if they went back to the old school days and stuff, like, you know, they didn't even have the 24 hour rehydration and that, these guys wouldn't even be, you know, Benefit is wouldn't even be fighting at 168. He'd be forced to fight at 175. But then, you know, we, we get why we've got to have these 24 hour rehydration. But even then, people say it takes 48 hours, maybe even more, to actually rehydrate properly. Hence the reason why people are using IVs. So, um, the professionalism, I think, is, in, is the fault is at the part of the fighters, not the PBC. That says they're giving the dates, they're giving the, the events and stuff. You know, of course, I me mean, have a word of them say, "Listen, screw them up." You know, you've got a job to do and stuff. But you know, it's like everything else. You know, they kind of babysit them. I put them on like tags and locators and stuff. Listen, dude, make fucking weight. That's what we got trainers for. That's what we got teammates for. No, I agree. I agree with you, Andy, actually. Um, we'll see what the boys think when they join us. Shout out to everybody in the chat. Matthew Russell's hanging around. Won't be able to call everybody out. There's about just under 6,000, so a nice, strong strong crowd there. John Wayne is with us. AZ or AZ, if you prefer. Celtic Spirit. Christopher Young, welcome to you. Welcome to Mark Boxio, always with us. Alan as well. Curly Watts on the Cobbles, fighting on the Cobbles of Coronation Street. No son of Jim McDonald yet, or Porky's Corner. Uh, hopefully we won't have the beef of last week. There were some melters in the chat last week. Jesus Christ. Uh, boom, Disco Dave. Uh, Liam Wynn uh, asking, make sure you ask my very serious, valid question tonight on female boxing. You'll have to give it to me again, sir. Give it to me. I uh, haven't seen that, I'm afraid. If it's on the Facebook page, I haven't been on Facebook today. Uh, Noli Jr. is there as well. Matthew D'Souza. And, of course, it wouldn't be the same in the chat without Eggy Phil. Shout out to Eggy Phil. 
bit later than usual, the boys enjoying a bit of eggy fill content. Uh, so, Andy, I was going to say, yeah, Callum Smith could be a potential future opponent for Benavidez. He's a future star, I think, if he can get his shit together. Uh, moving on to the undercards, this fight between Rolando Romero. Didn't, I saw the tweets coming in for Belly of the Week before I'd actually seen the fight, so I wasn't aware of who Rolly was. I would have gone, it's Rolly, so it's a robbery for Rolly and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, who the hell's Rolly? This is Rolando Romero, a bit of a puncher going in at lightweight, going in against Jackson Marinez. 19 and 0 now, 19 and 1. Glenn Feldman, 116, 112. Uh, Don Trella, 115, 113. And Frank Lombardi, quite a head scratching, <laughs> 118, 110. All in favour of Romero, interim WBA World Lightweight title. I'll be honest, Andy, didn't know anything about either of these guys going in. Hadn't even heard of either of them. It was Romero the favourite, the PBC promoted fighter. I mean, do we have any yeah. intel on this? Yeah, Romero, I think he was he was the home fighter, PBC. Um Sure, he was anyway. He just he came out looking to kind of you know land home run shots and just try and kind of push Mourinho's to the to the ropes and stuff. But you know, Mourinho's was actually quite cute and just you know he just refused to go there and you know just he, he settled into the fight and started to kind of like you know, about round three or four and like started kind of landing some shots and stuff. And in the end, I thought Romero was just started becoming too predictable and it was his, his same routine of punches kind of like negated the jab you know for for a fair portion of it and just tried to kind of like step in and throw mad shots and stuff. And I did think at times he was running the risk of getting himself gassed out. Um, the other thing as well is, I mean, that, I just realised that that was his first 12-rounder. I mean, anything, the other fights he fought him was like an eight-rounder. So maybe a wee bit of seasoning required there, but he's now got a belt, so he's got a target on his back as such. Mm. But, um, you know, late in the ninth, I think Mourinho's was, was backing him up, turning him, and he was showing major signs of good confidence and stuff. But um, I had it 160-112 to, to uh, Mourinho's. Uh, Farhood had it 117-111 to uh, Mourinho's, yet that, uh, that, yet that judge finds it 118-110 to, to Romero. It's just disgusting. Absolutely shocking scorecards. Um, it's just, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I, I'm not going to go uh, too heavy on it, maybe it's just disgusting all round. Yeah, we'll come back to that shortly. Thank you, Andy. Delighted to welcome our first guest of the evening on the call. It's Maxi Hughes. How are you, Maxi? Hey, mate. Thanks for inviting me on. Very well, thanks. Excellent stuff. You're looking well. You've got a big smile on your face, as well you should have after last Wednesday. Tell us about the John O'Carroll fight, sir. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, it was a good win. Um, knew, I, I knew since the fight got announced that I had his number um, when we trained the Sean O'Hagan when we got the offer. Um, we knew what we knew the game plan. We, it was just sim simple stuff that we worked on for seven weeks. Um, and all along, we said every week, this is what's going to work. This is what's going to happen. Sean predicted everything that Jono were going to come at us with. And and I think no matter what he'd have come out with, if he'd have come out with stuff differently than what he did, um, we would have had an answer for like People are seeing it as saying, on paper, it is a big a big upset and a shock, but it's, it's not to us because we knew the outcome uh, before the fight. We knew what we could do. Uh, it was just a matter of getting in there and doing it, um, and we were able to do it. Um, I think not not with ease, but um, quite comfortably. Um, I felt I felt comfortable in there doing what um, we'd worked on, and it worked beautifully. Yeah, it certainly did work beautifully. Tell us what it was like boxing in front of no crowd in South Kirkby. How was that? A bit surreal. Uh, yeah, what it was. It was a real surreal um, experience. Like even. The change rooms, they weren't like a, a proper change rooms. It were almost like uh, like a hospital ward. It was just a little black curtain. There were 10, like each boxer had his had his own little booth 
and they were all in a row. You could you could hear everybody speaking. We're, we were told to keep the noise down, obviously, because it was live on telly and we were the same. Yeah. Um, but we says, look, you've, you, you're in your changing room. You're not allowed out unless it's for toilet. You've got to have your mask on at all times, um, except for when you're starting to warm up, then you can take it off. Uh, and that little room we were in, okay, it were absolutely red hot. Uh, I would just, as soon as I got there, I had to strip off into um, some shorts and just sit there in my shorts. It were absolutely red hot, but it, it was strangely an enjoyable experience. It it were a little bit less less pressure. Um, and I think for me, um, I, I were able to perform, but I know Jono, watching his fights, he seems to bounce and thrive off at crowds. Yeah. Uh, whereas he, he just couldn't have that. <laughs> Whereas uh, it, it didn't bother me at all, and uh, like you, you could hear each other breathing, it was so quiet. It was it like it was like a spa, because uh, there were just you tra- each each trainers um, side at ring, and you could hear instructions like really clear because there were no noise from fans. But um, all in all, it were it was strange. I'm gutted like all my mates and fans want there to enjoy it with me. Um, but at the same time, I showed you know I don't I'll I'll pull off the win no matter where I am and no matter who's there. Yeah, uh, one of the guys in the chat, Nathan, says I thought they were going to give Carol the decision because of him being the A side. Glad Maxi got it, deserved it in my opinion. Whenever you were standing there, referee Victor Lachlan has your hand. What were you thinking? What was going through your mind? You know, you've been on the end of decisions in the past. Were you a little bit concerned? Were you completely confident? I, I was confident that I'd done enough to win the fight, fair yeah. and square. Um, but like, I feel like <laughs> like I've been broken down by boxing before. Like where um, some of my bigger fights, I have uh, I held my hand up and I and I accept losing. Um, but there's been some where I feel I've been hard done by. Even the fight which when I fought Martin J Ward the third time, fought British, um, I, I accept losing the fight. Um, but I thought it were really close, you know, maybe two rounds maximum. But when you when you hear the judges' scorecards and look at the scores, it's as though I hadn't turned up. And like, if you didn't see the fight and you look at the result and the scorecard, you think, well, Max is not even turned up there. It looks like he's been quite easily beat. Where uh, after that fight, I was quite impressed with Tony Sims and Martin. Uh, they came and saw me backstage, and they says, look. You've improved massively. Techno notice of them scorecards because it was a lot closer than what they say. So, because of stuff like that, I thought deep down I'd won fight. Well, I knew it, but then I looked out ring and I saw judges, three of them together, like gathering the papers and getting ready to give them to the MC. And I thought, oh no, I says here we go again. Like you say, because you, you we do see it so many times in boxing where there is the uh, the, the dodgy decisions where I know it's all down to opinion, but you know, sometimes you think what must be going on there because it's clear for everybody to see who won that fight and, and what, and like what you get, what everybody seems to, a lot of people talk about is uh, whoever's been busiest and boxing, everybody knows boxing is about hitting your opponent more like with the cleaner clinical shots uh, not just about being busy. You don't go in a gym and you, your coach don't tell you, oh, all you need to do is get in there, just just throw. 
just be busy. Yeah. You know, that that that's not boxing and that's not gonna win well, it does. Annoyingly it does win fights sometimes. I can understand it when there's not a lot happening at all in a in a boxing bout, but it was clear to see. I, I, I watched it back last night for the first time, and like trying to watch it from an unbiased, um, no, as a spectator, I thought I did land with a clinical, clean, crisp shots. Whereas Carroll's were, they were just like little arm punches, which you know it didn't look effective at all. So, all in all, I, I fought throughout each round. There were a couple of rounds which I thought were close. Maybe he nicked them, but. Um, for the most part, I thought I landed the the cleaner, nicer looking shots. Yeah, the guys in the chat are supportive of you. We all think you got the job done. What's next? Inevitably, that's the next question. What do you think? I know the dust hasn't really settled yet, but what what are you looking for? Um, well, I know when I signed the contract with to fight uh, John O'Carroll, um, there was an option there um, about MTK. Um, taking control of my next my next fight um to be, like it says to be a big fight um and i spoke with lee Eaton, um just after john only briefly nothing official um like i i, I think at first a joke says get have you got your contract ready for me lee because i've got my pen ready um but he he says yeah he says we can definitely do some um because he is he obviously he's worked with steffi bull my manager quite a lot and they get on well and um, he says that we, they can do some work and, and secure me some some fights. Um, so I'm, I'm yet, I'm just getting, just having a few days with family, but I'm going to speak to, speak to my trainer and managers and, and my team next week and, and just see if, see if they know anything of yet or, you know, we can start, start looking about and, and seeing what we can do. But I just like to keep the, the bigger fights coming, you know, um, just to move on, I think my rank my rankings have gone straight up. I think I went to thirty five in world right. and, and number five in Britain. Um, so the, this, you know, I'm 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 well ranked now. Um, so yeah, whatever, whatever fights, whatever fights can get med, um, big fights. Um, yeah, we'll see what see what people can do for me. Yeah, hopefully they can get you something big anyway. You certainly deserve it. Tell us about Sean O'Hagan. You mentioned him there, Josh Warrington's dad. You've been training with Sean for the last few fights. How's it going? Really well. Well, I've, I've known, I first started sparring Josh um, when he picked up his English title. Um, and he was, it was when he was training to fight for Commonwealth. Um, that's when we started sparring. Like um, my trainers at the time, Dave, Dave Hulley and Jimmy Arrington, um, they were they were working a lot with Sean and bringing Josh for sparring. We were helping out a lot. So since then, um, Sean's known me and he's always seen me sparring and training. And just through my my circumstance moving from Doncaster to Wakefield, um, it were a lot to travel, keep travelling to Doncaster to train uh, on an evening like, especially after work. Um, and since I had a daughter seeing my daughter on a night and then going jimmy it just suited me to to move permanently to sean and another with josh and that um in leeds so that's um like that's been official like for my my last four fights um so yeah he's he's a good coach um great guy we've got a good gym uh lads we have we all have good crack in there and we all support and encourage each other it's um it's all been working really well, and and my 
my trainer uh, who I was with Doncaster, Jimmy Arrington, he's, he's Jimmy's still about and um, still comes to the gym and helps out. He was just I'm gutted as well that he didn't manage to to make it on fight night. Like he, he normally comes as as part of the corner team as well. Mm. A final couple of questions for you, Maxi. We do thank you for your time on this Sunday evening. You were supposed to fight on an MTK card before the lockdown. I think it was out in Kazakhstan. What happened there? Yeah, um, I, I was due to. I forgot. I forgot his name. Um, but he, he was ranked number eleven in world. He, he'd, yeah. won, he'd got the WBC international, um, and I, I got offered that fight. I think off of the back of the Liam Walsh uh, fight, um, I had to have. I, I had to I had to get a win, just a four round win. So my manager Steffi put me on one of his shows to get a win, and then we, we were due to go a couple of weeks out. And it were a fight I was looking forward to, and I knew I could have won that fight. Um, and I were happy, even though it was Kazakhstan, I, I were happy to go and travel over there. But I think what had, what had happened, um, I was told that my opponent had got injured in training and were no longer able to fight. Um, I was gutted. He, like, I, I were hoping that it were even going to get postponed and we were going to get given a later date. But nothing came of it. And then that was supposed to be on 22nd of March. But obviously then... As time got closer, then the the COVID situation happened, and every, I think everybody's boxing it went it went to went to nothing then. So yeah, that he apparently just pulled out, but you know every cloud has its silver lining, and I ended up going through this and getting the Carol fight, and things have worked out. It's a bit later on in the year, but um, I'm grateful that. MTK have been able to get me a fight, you know, even though it's still tough times with the COVID and, and everything. Uh, yeah, um, we seem to see the rise, Maxi, these days of all these like celebrity fights and YouTubers and whatnot. You've been quite uh, vocal about that in the past, you know, having these YouTubers headlining shows and that. Yeah, that it did wind me up a bit of that. And you know what? I ended up getting more stick than for that. <laughs> My Twitter got hammered. I, I said one thing, not thinking about it, just because it did wind me up. That it, I, my opinion was that it makes a mockery of boxing. Us, like the majority of boxers, we we graft since we since we were kids, since we were young kids through amateurs. We're out training all the time, and then you turn pro, and not everybody's obviously at the top of the game, so. We're working and we're running before work, working, going and doing a day's work, then grafting and, you know, and I think it's the statistic in boxing only the top, there's like 5% of boxers make enough money and, and you know, get to headline bills and big, and then you get these YouTubers, they've built their army of fans by chatting rubbish on silly videos on YouTube and then they just think they can enter our world and and it, well, they obviously did. They did enter our, and that, that's what winds me up, is that they've not put no effort in, um, and they they get these big fights, and everyone's what I got the abuse for. They're all better than me. They'll beat me easy. <laughs> I'm a nobody, um, and uh, the, 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 the apparently they were going to bring more people to boxing. But I think it would have brought the wrong people at boxing because people think, well, these these have never had a, an amateur fight or whatever. Oh, I I can just turn. I'm just going to turn pro, 
and that's delivering the wrong message because it's a serious game and as we know tragedies happen and if people everybody thinks they can just come to boxing and thing people are going to get hurt and boxing is going to get a bad name and you know if that I, I don't think a lot as came of them youtubers having the fights you know you'd have i've not personally seen a massive surge in anybody's coming to gym um no. which i am all for you know if, if people have got a genuine interest and want to try you know do it but don't just come and think i, I want to be a pro because a youtuber turned pro i want to go pro there's you know there's the proper way forward to do it you, you know you've got to show some dedication for months first before you can even have a proper boxing bout and then you've got to i think you should go through the amateurs and you know work your way up properly like everybody else that was just my opinion. Yeah, no, uh, we we agree with you. Uh, well said. Uh, final question for you, just before we let you go, uh, just a personal one here. Uh, you you are a road warrior. You've you know you're not afraid to go and fight uh, away from home. 2016, you came over to Belfast, fight James Fryers, good amateur quality fighter. Fryers was expected to go places. You pretty put put pretty much put the nail in the coffin of that career, winning a split decision. James only fought once again after that. What do you remember of that fight, Maxi? Uh. I remember, I remember I got offered it. I think I had about five weeks' notice. Um, I looked at his records, and, and I think I'd, I'd, at that time, I'd, I think I'd fought Ward twice, the Cardinal fight. Um, so, again, I, I believed in myself. I thought I looked at his record. I thought he's, he's, not, he's not fought anyone. Um, I, I happily took that fight. Um, and, I, obviously, I believed in myself, got the decision, and... Um, and I, I was a bit gutted to, to even still, I spoke to, I got a lift um, to the venue overnight with Sean McComb. Mm. And um, he, we were talking about it then. His attitude still to this day is that he thought that he genuinely won that fight. Um, he thought he were robbed. So that's that's the reason that he packed in. Um, and it's sad to see somebody, you know, I think, I guess it's just a quitter's mentality. Uh, that he cu couldn't accept being beat, um, and he wasn't able to move on. But I, I enjoyed that fight. Um, it, what Friars just couldn't adapt. He kept doing the same thing. As I remember rightly, I, he just kept winding left hook up and really loading up with left hook. I, I think he'd stopped a few people with his left hook, so he thought he was going to stop me with it. But I saw it coming every time, and I just spun underneath it, countered him. And it were, it were an impressive boxing display, I think. Um, and I, I rightly got the decision. They had three neutral judges. Um, well, I, I say neutral. I think there was <laughs> one Irish, uh, Hugh, Huey Russell Jr. I think he gave it to Friars by about eight rounds. Um, but luckily, there were there were two normal judges who judged it unbiased, and they rightly gave me the, the proper decision. Um, but yeah, it was a good experience. I enjoyed going to Belfast. Um, the show was put on by Mark Dunlop, who I'm, That's right, yeah. I'm friends with now. And um, I, I went over to Belfast a couple of times last year. Um, I stayed with Mark um, and I stayed with James Tennyson's trainer, Tony Dunlop, because they yeah. brought me over to Spa James. So I'm, friend, I'm friendly with that with them team, um, Tony and Mark Dunlop. Um, got a lot of time and a lot of respect for them. Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed my trip to Belfast. So, yeah, we're well, a good fight and um, just, uh, yeah, just enjoyed that one. 
Brilliant stuff. At Boxer Maxi Hughes over on Twitter. Any other social media presences to follow you, Maxi? Yeah, the, the, the main one I use, um, Instagram. Um, Nate, I think just Mac, just under Maxi Hughes um, should find me. But yeah, on, on Twitter, um, I, got, I got given some advice from MTK and IFL just to get on my social media more and, you know, capitalise on this momentum I'm building. So, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll be getting busier on social media now. Brilliant stuff. Go and give him a follow, everybody. Congratulations on the win over John O'Carroll. Best of luck going forward. And thanks for joining us, Maxi. We appreciate yeah. you giving your time. Yeah, thank you. All the best, sir. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers, bud. Maxi Hughes there. That was good as stuff, Andy. Towards the end, I thought we were going in the Tanzanian uh, boxing ring. He seemed to get a bit darker, but it was it was insightful stuff there. He spoke very well, I thought. Yeah, he very, spoke very well, fought very well as well Wednesday night. Um, it was a close fight, but um, clearly I thought Maxi did the better work. Uh, better work, cleaner work. The jab was fantastic. Um, Carol, just, just, there was no energy there, actually. Also, she was, a, a, to me anyway, better defence, blocked a lot of shots. Carol was a lot of arm, arm hitting and stuff. So I wasn't really scoring it as such, but I, I thought I thought Maxi won it by at least three points, possibly, maybe even slightly more. Um, but yeah, it was a really good performance, and um, hopefully he gets. Uh, you know, well, you he he heard him saying there about his about his next options and stuff. But we just ho- we just hope that this situation, like uh, outside the ring, and that is going to get better for uh, some guys like Maxi to get you know bigger opportunities and stuff, and hopefully capitalise on, which is probably a, a best performance. Yeah, I wanted to mention the night he fought James Fires. It was an interesting one. Hugh Russell Jr. scorecard and Hugh Russell in general as um as a referee. I'm not going to go into that one now, but yeah, I have my issues with some of his refereeing performances as well. Uh, you were in the middle of talking about Romero Marinez. I saw the link coming up, Andy. I didn't have a chance to click on it, though. There's some kind of rematch in the offing, possibly? Yeah, I mean, those has basically popped up saying they're going to investigate the possibility for a rematch here. Um, as I say, it was, it was just discussing, actually, the uh, the scorecards. And I'll, I'll not get into it too much now. Just go watch it. As I say, my Marinez was, was more than a worthy winner, I felt. And just to kind of get, you know, it's just pure robbery. It's just all it is. I mean, okay, I, I can get Donny's da, for example, getting at one fifteen, one thirteen to Romero if he thinks it's a, it's a close fight. But um, I've got it three points the other way. But um, as I say, don't only give him two rounds. Um, Marinez is just absolutely disgraceful, disgusting, and uh, the judge should be banned. It certainly should be on the fans' watch list for popping up in any meaningful fights in the future and that because he's clearly one for the watching. Yeah, shout out to Bopping Ben Fruki, by the way, for sorting out the uh, Maxi Hughes interview. Just before we bring wrapping Rob Kelly in, uh, Otto Wallin against Travis Kaufman. I didn't get a chance to see this one. Kaufman apparently injured his left shoulder. Is it worth a watch, Andy? What went down? Nah, not worth a watch, mate. I mean, as I say, Wallin was, 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 well, he was dominant, really. He went every round in that. And apparently, Travis Kaufman actually tore his left uh, labrum. And they bogged up tank because it was at RTC fought in his last fight and stuff. And of course, he's apparently left the operation late. He's only had it done recently and stuff. And of course, he's felt it. He felt something go in the second, and then he's, he's landed a shot in the fourth or the fifth round. I think it was the fifth round. Um, he's visibly he's seen winching pain. He turns his back. By rights, he could have been. He could have, you know, well, he, he, he could he could have quit in that to be honest with you. But no, he gutted it out and he hung in as long as possible. But the referees just took mercy on him because he just had no use to the left arm and like, he was forced to go southpaw, just try and jab as best as possible. But Wallen was just over top him by that point, so he's he stepped up and retired now and that as well. So let's say uh, Kaufman called that a career at thirty four year old. 
Yeah, the final one on that card, Atlantis Fox, a big, tall, super middleweight. Now, no contest with Habib Ahmed. Habib was fighting uh, Gilberto Ramirez at one point. He's one of these imports that Bob was bringing in. Let's give a shout-out to some of the uh, boys over at patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum before we get Rob in there. Uh, Steve Turton, friend of the pod, just like Ronnie Hussein, and where Ronnie is tonight. Swaggy Taggy, Martin, Joe Kennedy, Ted Barrett, Danny Young, James Bernard, Gav, David Doyle, Nathan Newman, Owen Spillane, Jasper, John Swan, Ryan Deal, Jason Cheel, and Daniel Adams. We were talking, Rob, during the week about Roy Jones Jr., me, you, Andy, and the excellent Bryn Jonathan Butler doing a Roy Jones special. I know I played it on the punches from the past, but any excuse, eh, Rob, to listen to this? I just motherfucker! This is it, John. Fight him! Go and get him. Go and fight this fucking guy! Hands up. You think you go to the body, you come up to the head. Come up Hello. to the head! Fight him! Come on, Johnny! Fight him! He's taking your fucking title away from you! The referee sucks! All oh, you work for! The ref sucks! Fight him! Fuck the referee! Come on, Get out there! Fight him! Come on! Fight him! Come on. Come on. The referee sucks! The genteel stylings of Norman Stone in the Ruiz corner. Yeah, he's trying to give a transfusion of spirit to Ruiz. A transfusion of spirit. Yeah, made like a rocket up the arse. <laughs> no, no transfusion fucking of spirit. Up, you wrapping Rob Kelly. <laughs> I fucking could have a few transfusions. Had a few transfusions of spirit. I was at a wedding on Friday, so I fucking transfused a few of them. Um, yeah, that was great crack, actually. Anyone anyone who's not on Patreon want to sign up and get behind the paywall for that one because that was a... Uh, uh, I really enjoyed that, actually. Um, especially Bryn's contribution. Um, he's, actually, he's one of the best boxer writers for me out there. And the way he has a gift for kind of... I don't know, getting fighters to open up for him and show him a different side, which was, I suppose is what, what inherently makes him so good. But um, it's good to get those insights back. And have them discussed on on our show. It was really cool. So, yeah, shout out to Bryn for that one. That was good stuff. Shout out as well, Rob, to David Benavidez. Maybe a transfusion of Slimfast to try and help get him down to the weight. He's some fighter, though. He battered a game, uh, Alexis Angulo. He doesn't give a fuck, Benavidez, man, does he? He doesn't. He's wild, like, isn't he? He's another fucking or a Spence type isn't he? didn't he have a fucking there's something to do with a motorcycle crash with him or is that the brother and that sort of all a bit fucking Jose got I shot at one point I think uh, I think it was Jose as well it came off the motorbike I'm sure as well was it uh, mad, that, was mad. Was, that was him as one of the million fight was it, Kel, was it Kelbrook no no it was Flanagan was it Flanagan he went, and that was Flanagan eh Tom, it was Terry Flanagan uh, he was going to be fighting uh, he's so, himself yeah, for Benavides, I've, I really liked him though but he kind of he kind of made himself a bit of a fucking villain in the 68 because he didn't go in the super six tournament did he then he got popped for drugs he kind of had a highlight reel combination knockout there about two or three years ago when everyone was like really high on him and since then he hasn't really been tested has he benefited so i don't i don't know how good or bad he is i think he looks great but i'd like to see him in against i don't know someone some top level 68 pounder or an opponent at least that's going to bring out the exciting side of him and there's, there's nobody there uh-huh. and i think he's one of them He's like one of them, Andy. Would you think like he's like he'll go through the motions and he's just fucking doing enough for he? It's like he's not bother training or he's yeah. not, you know you kind of need. I think he needs a big marquee fight to maybe bring something out of him. Like and possibly like said, there's nothing around there. There's nothing really. I mean, I, I think I just said this to someone else. That it's like the hills one sixty eight. I wouldn't say all of them, but you know, it's like 
they're, they're hanging around waiting for the Canelo fight. They're, you know, it's like a Canelo lottery at the minute. You know, we're just waiting for Canelo's next yeah. fight. I mean, he, he said he's no fighting in September now, so it's going to be the tail end of this year. As I say, one sixty eight. Just tip it in the bin right now. Seriously, I mean, I just pulled up the rankings there. I noticed that Vladimir Shishkin, he's fighting next week against uh, against a Russian guy. As I say to, to to Steve Rob, Avni Yildirim could actually pick up the vacant belt and then possibly unify against I Callum know. Smith. I know it's crazy. Or, <laughs> or, or, or rematch Eubank. Rematch against Eubank. Yeah, see how that'll go. He's fucking horizontal sideways after the last one. Like, like that'll go to show you as well that boxing is not what it was. I was using Yildirim as an example, but like, you know, you get one or two fights, you get back up the ranks and rankings, you pay the sanction of fees, and lo and behold, like, Yildirim could be getting a crack at a world title. Like, I don't know. He could have been the greatest fighter ever in the fights that he's had since. I haven't seen much of him, but from what I do know of him, he doesn't look like any kind of world beater. Like, does he? And if that's the opposition that's knocking around there for Benavidez, doesn't look great for any big fights for him. I wonder, could he go up to 75? He, he, he could, always looked big to me. Do you think he'd be up he, to 75? Like, I just don't think he's got the opponents up there, but I was just, Steve, I was looking at the rankings of the WBC. Jürgen Bremer and Rocky Fielding are ranked inside the top 10 of the oh, WBC rankings. Shocking. That's how bad it is at 168 at the minute, man. Shocking. Shocking. And it's always been a great division as well, like. Yeah, boys in the chat talking about this Babich who's been put on the Pavekin White undercard. We'll talk about him soon. Um, Bacoli, yeah, I don't know why they didn't put Bacoli in against that Shondale Winters. I think there's more to the Bacoli thing than meets the eye. I haven't got any insider knowledge or anything, but there's a reason why they, they couldn't find an opponent for him. They're going to find opponents for other people, so... I'd say there wonder, might be more to it. That reason could be why they, why they might not want him back. I'm trying to think, way. Rob. I'm trying to think. Wreck my brain there, thinking. <laughs> Did he show them that intro video that I was suggesting the other week? And I said, look, Martin, you know what? We're just going to have to can you off this. You can't be showing that on the big screen. <laughs> he shouldn't be showing any fucking videos. I don't think Bacoli, should he? <laughs> 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 shh. Shh. Oh, dear. Right, uh, what else have we got here? We were talking there, Rob. I don't know if you heard the interview. It was actually a really insightful interview with Maxi Hughes, victorious on Wednesday night by unanimous decision over John O'Carroll. Maxi even said himself that John is the kind of guy who needs a big crowd to get him up for fights, and it just wasn't happening. But they had a game plan going in, and it worked a, a treat for Hughes. I don't know if you saw the fight with John O'Carroll on Wednesday night, uh, Rob. Yeah, watch the back. Um, I checked the interview with Maxi, but I will definitely check for it um, when I'm listening back. Like, um, yeah, I think he, Carol kind of needs a bit of hype. He needs something to. He lives off that enthusiasm from being in the public eye, doesn't he? Um, I think it was the Frenois fight that he, I don't think he won that when he got a draw, and then that set it up. That set him up for for Tevin Farmer. Apparently, he's been over with Kevin Farmer. So, I think you're seeing with a couple of fighters coming off the lockdown, Archie Sharp, a few others, like, where these are, I don't know if they're, like, up for these fights. They're taking the payday because there's nothing else out there and then maybe paying the price of the performance. But I don't want to detract from Max Hughes because that was a fair win for him. Like, it wasn't, the fight wasn't close. Carl couldn't get started and didn't didn't look at, um, he's a volume puncher anyway, uh, John O'Carroll, like, and he's exciting. He's come forward. But if, I think he has his limitations, like, and I think he's probably overshot. I was I was interested a couple of years ago to see how far he could go with the personality and make a bit of a dent in the stage, maybe get a one or two big bites. Definitely didn't disgrace himself against Kevin Farmer, but um, I think that's kind of his level. Like, as that he could maybe challenge for a title, but he's not going to do. He's not going to go and do anything beyond that. But that's going to be a big setback for him. And credit to Maxi Hughes, he got the opportunity. He'll be back out now with another fight, so. 
you know, fellas are fighting for their lives and their careers and the next payday, and he's gone and done it now, hasn't he? So, good on him, more power to him, man. No, I was going to say, Rob, just to close up on Carroll before we bring Andy in, he's done really well considering his ability. It's almost a bit like a Martin Rogan story. He squeezed a lot of juice and hopefully made some money out of a career which wasn't expected to go anywhere. 100%. So he's over in Australia and everything. Like he, he, had turned, he was on the billing site or something. He gone to Australia to work like a lot of Irish lads and I think he turned pro over there, had a couple of fights and then just decided to come home. Got himself the Deco Garrity fight on a four-rounder, I think. Got Deco, got in Deco's head during the week and beat him on the night and got him to jackets by throwing the headbutt and getting himself disqualified. And then he took that opportunity with both hands, went and got himself signed with MTK, signed with Matchroom, got himself, got a rematch with Garrity, got other fights, title fights, world title fights. So he's definitely, yeah, over, like I said, overachieved with the level of talent and from a fellow that kind of started with his amateur pedigree as well, which was fuck all. So. Um. Yeah, but I think, like I said, I think he's reached his peak. Like, I'd say so, Andy. Ozzy did jump on the call. This would be right up his street, but he seems to have fallen off again. Any words on Carol, uh, Maxi Hughes, Andy? I know you said something briefly after Maxi left us. Yeah, as I say, Maxi was more than a worthy winner, as, as as Rob says, and that as well as he maybe has peaked to it. I, I, I did. I was on record saying that Carol might at some point maybe kind of get himself over the line, but I think it will need to be. It's definitely going to be the right circumstances and stuff, but. I think he's, it's a bit inconsistent him, actually, because you say, I mean, he had that great fight with Declan Geraghty in Belfast, then arguably a loss against the French boy. He gets a draw and then gets beat off Tevin Farmer and then, you know, pits in that performance there. You know, just his lack of urgency, whatever, and that. Maybe, again, if he just needs to feed off the crowd and that, but I, I, I didn't note that he was mentioned after the fight and that he was probably missing the family or he was away from the family for you know, a prolonged period, which is understandable considering the current situation and stuff. But um, I'll be interested to see where he goes next and stuff. I dare say it'll be running about this level and he kind of remain it and stuff, kind of get himself, maybe just go, maybe go to European level, uh, try and get the the, um, the European belt. But again, he's probably just one of the fighters that he really struggles in that, I suppose, really just having that, you know, that turn of punch, just to kind of really turn the fight on its head when he needs it and stuff. But he's just suddenly got that. Shout out to everybody enjoying themselves in the chat there. Jane Johnson, been a while since he, she, it has been there. Ian Weather, AZ as well. Episode 386, Boxing Style and Nuttes podcast. Andy and Rapping Rob Kelly are here with me. Steve, Maxi Hughes has been on with us. Ozzy was on briefly. Brief appearances disappeared again. Friday the 14th of August, Rob. One time, Hassan Mokinio, was it ever in doubt? Vacant WBF Intercontinental Super Welterweight title against Shebang, Shebangs, Kel Brook, aka Kel Duck. Still doesn't want any of that one-time punching power, Rob. He does. He's been running scared ever since he saw what one time did to Sam Eggington. He knows that not to. to he does. He definitely doesn't want to go to Tanzania, um, and he definitely doesn't want to bring one time uh, to see him. So, um, Kel Brook took him one time. Joaquinio worse than ever. Can duck him at this stage. Um, what's next for one time Joaquinio? Who's the who's what, who's he going to defend this WBF title against? Hopefully, maybe Eggington too. And this time it's personal in fight camp. That'd be good. Actually, he's a, he'd be a good lad to pull in for the fight camp, wouldn't he, Eddie? One time with Kino, you're going to get value for money there. Like I'm surprised he wasn't brought back for, as an opponent on some matchroom show since then. Like or maybe he has, and I just didn't know about it. But um, Tony Fallon is yeah. an opponent. There you go. One time can only appear though on a wooden floorboard ring. 
Doesn't it matter? He's got gloves. He'll travel. He's got a passport. He will fight you in the alleyway. Steve, the fucking lights were going to... You know, it's like you fight on your under lamppost. Lights out. Lights out power. This is a good time, Andy, to drop in my little anecdote. I was at a show in Belfast about 10 years ago. Ryan Clark, ubiquitous journeyman, was fighting Ryan Green. All of a sudden, halfway through one of the rounds, the whole lights in the Europa Hotel went out. Everybody starts booing, turns around. Some fellow had leant up against the lights <laughs> and knocked them off. I could be quietly creeping out there once he realised the mistake. Eh? <laughs> Yo, my God! Uh, he disappeared pretty quickly. story... It reminds me of a story that I probably should have told when Nazim Richardson passed away there a few weeks ago. One of the funniest things I remember him seeing on one of those ES News or one of those videos a couple of years ago was about B-Hop. And they were talking about his ring IQ. And he said, he said just his IQ in general, he said we were in the gym one day and there was a little um, glamour bird that was down interviewing us all, um, interviewing all the boxers. And then all of a sudden, the lights went out, right? And he, the first thing Hopkins did was get his bag and jump out of the gym. And he went up to him afterwards and he was like, why did you fucking, why did you leave? Like when the lights went out. And he was like, because we're in the middle of a gym in Philly. If someone touches her, I was outside. <laughs> yeah, he's just right. <laughs> <laughs> no flies on me, Yeah, exactly. That was pretty good. Yeah, going down the undercard quickly in uh, Yorkshire, Sean McComb getting a unanimous decision 10 men win over Sia Osgul. Uh, McComb, another cutter. I think he might have a problem with the old cuts. Uh, Craig McIntyre knocking out Ishmael Ellis. Welcome to you, Ozzy. We're talking John O'Carroll against Maxi Hughes. Well worth a listen to the Maxi Hughes interview later on if you haven't caught it already. Did a great job, really. And he, uh, he said it went pretty much how he and Sean O'Hagan expected. Great win, mate. A great win. Um, we, we've seen Maxi Hughes operate around British level, um, domestic level, and, and ultimately fall short. Um, he, he's not had that standout win yet. He, he's always been competitive. I think he, he did. He push Martin Ward. Did he get a draw against Martin J Ward in the first one? Yeah. Yes, and there was knocked out in the second one. Um, and I think ultimately he was selected for John O'Carroll to get back going. Uh, John O will get a decent win operating at lightweight. And look, John O'Carroll came unstuck and, and it was a fair result. There was no jobs on the cards here and Maxi Hughes was excellent. And I saw some stuff after it that he basically said that this is what we've been waiting for. And we always knew I had it in me and it was just about doing it in the ring. And how often do we hear that, you know, like in sparring, he looks great and he just can't transfer it over to the ring. But he did. Carroll looked flat. Uh, he couldn't get his shots off. A shadow of the boxer he looked, that um, fought Scott Quigg. But look, that, that is a massive win for Maxi Hughes. And it, it was um, it, it was a fight for Maxi from where if he he went in impressed but got beat, you get opportunities off it. You win, you platform and you, you progress massively because you've got the win over John O'Carroll. But John O'Carroll, now he's got to start again. Um particularly coming off the Quig win, you know, from where it wasn't a foregone and a lot of people had money on Scott Quig uh, and to go out and stop him. Does it show just how shot got Quig the was? Win. Do you think, Ozzy? Does it show just how shot Quig was? Flip, I think I've killed him with that question. Put it on to Carol at times um, and, and Carol struggled. Carol really struggled. Hey, um, I saw a tweet out during the week, and it was somebody. It was 
from uh, who runs Boxing Wales, who put out and said Maxi Hughes is overpriced. He would be John O'Carroll's second best win, pretty much. And it's right. It, it really is. Carroll got that quick win. He's operated, you know, like beat Declan Geraghty, but we, we've seen that Der- Geraghty, the amateur fighter he was. Um, I was at the John Quigley fight and it, it was okay. Uh, but again, that was a tight fight as well. After that, you, you're just knocking around, you know, at the at the journeyman level. So, yeah, it, it was a fight that I think Maxi went in pressure-free uh, and it was a great... I've highlighted how Quig was well over the hill. But you've still got to get in there and do it. And Hughes did exactly that. And as for Carroll, he's got to start again. Um, he's the one needing opportunities now where use Carroll's name, you know, to get an opportunity. As for Maxi Hughes, um, he just waits for the right chance now. Uh, great win, great performance, and good luck to him in the future. Yeah, we love a bit of Maxi on this show. Andy, let's get over to the Your Call. Frank Warren putting on one of his worst cards oh, of all time. I'm sure you're fuck. delighted to be talking about this one. Archie Sharp sneaking by Jeff Afori, Troy Williamson defeating Harry Scarf. Pretty tight on some of the cards. Take aims. Friend of the pod liked a bit of Harry Scarf there. Carl Frampton, it looked like he, I don't know, the shape he come in. He looked like, you know, when you're sparring for the first day yeah. of a new camp or something against Darren Trainer. Trainer was game, but you knew the quality would shine through. Michael Conlon tried to low blow his way to success against Sophie and Takusti. It looks a lot more aggressive. Conlon got the job done in the end, although the Josh Warrington comparisons were always going to be there. Didn't watch Dennis McCann, went to bed, didn't see Paddy Donovan. What did you see, Ander? Um, well, I didn't see the Donovan thing because I don't think he was being televised, but I've seen the, the brief highlights on, on, on uh, Twitter and that was pretty brutal. I think it was a body shot, actually. Um, I caught the last two rounds of uh, Williamson against uh, Harry Scarf. Um, I think it was kind of close fighting that, but Archie Sharp, man. I mean, this is this is a guy who's been calling it like a Frampton and all the guys and stuff like that, man. He, I think no, it wasn't Frampton. Who was it? Was he calling it Stevenson? Val- Valdez, wasn't it? Valdez. He's called them all out. Frampton, Aye. Stevenson, all the top names. He's called them out. That last night shows he's nowhere near that type of level, and even even Frampton. It, Fucking put Frampton uh, last night in the ring with Archie Sharp last night. He was still got beat. And that's Frampton, what, nine months out of the ring? Hand hand operations and stuff like that. I'm fighting at 135. Um, that, the thing is, I actually watched the ESPN feed in this last night. So I had t- uh, Tim Bradley and Andrew Ward not speaking about it. And basically, on his assessments and stuff, you know, he basically says this guy's been talking big and stuff, but he's got to be a lot better than this. And basically, Offrey was, you know, he was unlucky, actually, in, in the end. Conlon, I suppose, is going to do it, you know, feather or whatever. If he can try and suck himself down to 122, he's going to be massive and stuff. But um, I think another referee, I mean, if you take that referee for uh, Tulsa last night, and that Conlon could easily have been DQ'd easily. Um, in the end, he, he got the stoppage, which is good enough. I'd hope to see Dennis McCann, actually. Was, as you say, I was the same. I went to bed. I think, I think the, the show finished was just roughly about midnight, so it was a Frank Warren special. And it was absolute shit all round. Absolute shocking, man. Uh, and that was me watching it on the ESPN feed as well. Uh, Mark Kriegel giving it story time and stuff. And Tessa Tor talks for every fucking second of every round. And I'm getting bored and tired of it. Just like Andre. You know, Andre was really good to listen to and stuff. Really puts it together pretty well. 
Tim Bradley just a bit like me, kind of rambles on and fucking rants and stuff for <laughs> sometimes. But I've not, I've not got the brain damage to put up with it, you know, so I, I've got the excuse. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was poor, wasn't it? It was absolutely shocking, man. Um, Frampton knows he needs to be better than that. Okay, I mean it was a, a late replacement, but even even the initial opponent was shit anyway. But he knows himself; he needs to be far better. Um, I suspect just just the fact last night, I've got to say you know, Herring's probably going to beat him actually. To be honest with you, uh, Frampton's had a, a lot of heavy sparring sessions. Steve, you'll probably know that better than me. Um, yeah. I've seen a couple. I've seen a couple of his sparring sessions with John Simpson in, in, in the past. Names coming up, and they were fucking wars, man. He used to do uh, a lot of I, rounds under McGuigan. Yeah. Didn't he did, um, and then he's obviously had you know a fairly tough career. He's had a couple of tough fights, and the two Santa Cruz fights were tough going. Um, so yeah, I mean, plus he's he's at a lighter weight, and that. So you just wonder, you know, lost a lengthy amateur career. So I think it's possibly the the writing's possibly there on the wall, and that. But um, I would imagine, I mean, if he wants to continue in that, he can continue running about European level, and that no problem. But he's won a world title fight. I just wonder, Hearn's maybe a step too far, and plus the weight. I just think he's, you know, he's just he's just too high up weight for me. But you never know. I mean, you know, it might it might have the the power still. He might it might be able to get it because Heron's got a lot of body to aim at as well, hasn't he? You know, so yeah. Carol might have a wee bit of success there and that as well. And plus, he might be able to work, uh, maybe able to make the the height for him uh, actually work for him as well. You know, so we'll wait and see. I think he'll do well against Herring early on, and then he might start to to struggle Aye. as the fight goes on. I think Herring's a big, fit, strong unit. I want to ask you something quickly, Andy, before we go to Rob uh, on Michael Conlon. Actually, they were talking afterwards. Adam Booth said he's ready for world level. He's ready for a certain amount of world level. But a couple of the names they were mentioning, the WBO super bantamweight guys, I wouldn't say that these are easy nights at all for Conlon. Angelo Leo, I know he sort of shit on his fight against Tremaine Williams, but he looked skilled. He struggled with Williams for the first couple of rounds. And once he worked him out and he got the strategy going, Leo pretty much cruised down the stretch in that fight. I don't think he's a night for, uh, an easy night for anybody. And if Leo fights Stephen Fulton first, which we expect him to do, I would probably expect Fulton to win the title. Then if he defends against Conlon, Fulton ain't going to be an easy night for Conlon. You know, He's a really neat body puncher, already beaten a couple of undefeated fighters. I think Conlon has his hands full with both Angelo Leo and Stephen Fulton. I think he's just basically going to, again, one of these situations where he's cram himself to make the weight and stuff and actually try and make that count from um, Stephen Fulton, I have heard about him and stuff, but I don't think I've seen much of his fights, actually, to be honest with you, unless he's been buried on undercards and stuff. I've never I've never come across him and stuff, but I did have a look at the rankings last night. I mean, like Danny Roman and stuff, it would give Conlon a hard, put, a hard fight at this, at this point. Um I don't know. Again, the situations. I mean, unless Bob, Bob could probably swing. I mean, who's who's Fulton with these days? Is it top rank? No, Fulton's PBC, and in his last fight, he beat Arnold Kagai on a unanimous decision. He was sixteen and zero and one. And in his previous fight, he knocked out Isaac Avalar. He was sixteen and zero. So he's been racking up some decent stoppage wins there. But then, well, okay. But why does he just go up to one twenty six? Because there's a vacant belt there. Not Nav- Nav- no Navarrete. Who, who's who's I Navarrete vacated the belt? Do they know? So if you look back, he vacated at 126. the one twenty two belt, wasn't it, Navarrete? I think was it one twenty two. Right, yeah, I'm, he I'm went up to one twenty six. I right. think so. Ah, that's what it is, like because he's fighting for the vacant one uh, twenty six, uh, or he's applied right. for it anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's no an easy fight there. I don't think, as I say, you know, Conlon's ceiling is pretty limited. I think I think Vaughan has said that as well. Um, I just think it's it's going to be the right opponent, at, you know, at the right time. Um, who that is, I don't know, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him in the likes of Fulton or Leo at this point. In that, I just think um, a couple more fights in that. Um, I think it'll be maybe next year before we start seeing Conlon maybe have a tilt at a title. And I think maybe had uh, had him on here. Did they not say that twenty twenty one was going to be the year they were aiming for a, a title fight? Uh, 
I mean, I think he did. He'd only just turned pro, or maybe he hadn't yeah. even turned pro when he talked to us, hadn't he, I think? Yeah, it was it was in the cuspit, anyway. Yeah. No, I like Mick, but I just heard them talking there about Leo and Fulton, and I would err on the side. I mean, at the end of the day, he's going to have to fight these type of guys. If he wants to win a title, he's going to have to fight guys like this, but I wouldn't say they'd be a walk in the park either, and that would be my point, especially Fulton. I, I do like the look of him, especially to the body. But there you go. Uh, let's bring in rapping Rob Kelly on this one, Rob. I don't know if you stayed up to watch Conlon, Frampton, Archie Sharp and all them. I have, a, I have a point that was made on Twitter, Rob, by Lead Right, Lead underscore right. He said, Carl Frampton has never been the same fighter after leaving Shane McGuigan. I understand why he had to leave, but it's had an adverse impact on his career in the ring. Hashtag Frampton trainer. Well, I mean, he can pull people short down in the holiday camp a bit better, I suppose, no? I don't know. Look, I think... You know, everybody has a has a kind of a shot clock, and it starts to wear. You know what I mean? I mean, Frampton had an extensive amateur career, gone through the weights, winning world titles. I believe his best days are behind him, and I think that was evident in the Warrington fight. Not taking anything away from Warrington, I don't believe Frampton is a lightweight. Um, and I just think he's at the end of his career, man, picking off a few paydays before he finally retires. That's my honest feeling on it. He'll get the chance to fight for a world title. He deserves a chance at another world title. He's been an excellent pro, an excellent ambassador for the sport. But I don't think, like, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't say that a change in trainer at this stage would have that massive an effect for, for Carl Frampton. He's got an excellent boxing IQ. He can punch, he can mix it, he can box. And he's been over the course. He has massive experience at this stage. So, no, that not taking anything away from his partnership with Shane McGuigan. He definitely made him a better fighter. And the, the two of them seem to have a kind of a... Um, an intuitive kind of um, what you call it, like telekinesis almost with, with each other in terms of uh, how well they got on and how Shane was able to pass over instructions to him and Frampton always highly praised him but like I said, I don't think it's a, a major factor in his performances at this stage, I think he's just got a few miles on the clock now and he's not what he was with Yeah, Ozzy, do you think maybe after the Warrington fight, Frampton would have packed it in if Uncle Bob hadn't come calling, looking for names, maybe for the ESPN thing? Yeah, it, it was a weird one. And I think the concerning thing for Frampton was that he was badly wobbled uh, by Warrington in that first fight. But look, um, I'm not completely sold on Jamie Moore. Uh, there's obviously behind-the-scenes things that have happened with Shane McGuigan and why he left. Um, I, I think... People saying Frampton's not a lightweight, that's evidently obvious. He was put up to lightweight because of trainer coming in as a last-minute opponent and he couldn't get down to, say, for example, Super Feather. So it suits Frampton, you know, just not taking off like three pounds. Uh, and that's why the fight was at that. I don't think we'll see Frampton operate at lightweight at all. Um, I think Super Feather is one step too far for him, to be honest. However, um, it was one of them, wasn't it? it? It was a steady performance against a domestic operator. I thought Frampton was in a basically a glorified sparring session at times and the way a trainer just, well, he waved the fight off himself, didn't he? He just had enough. Um, so it, it, it was one of them. It, it's not a performance I'm going to judge him on because he's a lot better than that. But the, the opponent was there and probably just lowered his, lowered his standards a bit and I think he went into the fight knowing he was going to win. But I can't say the Albanian guy who was originally picked by Bob Arum and top rank was any better. Uh, but no, it, overall, it was one of them. It, the card wasn't great itself. It just Some of the fights just didn't gel and work out. 
But um, for Frampton, I mean, Herring's a massive step up. I'd like to see him have an interim fight in between, if possible, because um, I think there's still a lot of issues, you know, around the coronavirus situation and getting over to America. Would he have to set up camp in America type of thing rather than going over there and quarantining for two weeks? Or if Herring comes over here, what would he do? Um, but yeah, I'm not going to read into it too much. Trainer was there basically as a body uh, more than anything else. Frampton got the win. He's got a bit of ring rust off. And as Andy said, he's battled hand issues. But it was really interesting that basically they put the story out and basically said, he couldn't even wipe his own arse because his hands were that badly, you know, broken and were uh, needed to repair. So he's got through a fight with that. He's clearly aiming for bigger things, and we'll wait and see what happens next for him. Anything on Conlon, Aussie, before we go on to Oklahoma? Oh, well, massively overrated, and I put it out last night as a tweet that he keeps talking about this world level. He's done nothing to justify that whatsoever. He's got this fake ranking, and I'd take the likes of Jazza Dickens and Ryan Walsh to be um, Michael Conlon at the moment. I remember being at the Warrington uh, Frampton fight with you, Steve, and I thought Jason Cunningham asked questions of Michael Conlon that he's being carefully matched, um, which is typical from one perspective. But with a guy of such high pedigree as an amateur, you would expect, I mean, he's not the puncher, but look, mate, he dealt with Takuchi, but then look, there was a number of like low blows. If you gave him a solid European-level fighter that, you know, has operated... I mean, he's dropped on about dropping into super bantamweight as well. But, like, I mean, I look at the I look at the ratings and it, I can see why, because there's not much depth to it, really. I mean, look, I'm, I'm on box right now. Do you remember Shingo Wake, who was a, a, an IBF mandatory? Fighting next week, next week yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, I mean, like, he's Shingo, in the top 15. Shingo Wake. So, so I can see why they're doing the drop type of thing. But as you say, you get to a certain level like Danny Roman, I would say, to beat Conlon, um, Stephen Fulton, Ray Vargas. I, Ray Vargas had absolutely destroyed Michael Conlon. I think that Diego De La Hoya would give him a fight as well. So I can see why they're dropping down to that because there's certainly not the depth there. But for me, he, he, he's way off. And, and Andy said it right, his ceiling is there. But he'll be matched well and they'll wait for the right opponent. He'll probably win a world title because it'll be against a, a convenient vacant belt. But for me, he's he was more aggressive, but I'm still not massively hyped or impressed yet. What about his training situation, Aussie? Stacey King thinks he should get rid of the dark fraud. Um, Boo this... He's great for certain fighters and not for others. He did well with Andy Lee, but it took time. I remember Andy Lee early on under Adam Booth looked quite a bit ropey. And I thought, I think I think Booth took him down to 154 at one point, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he yeah, went over to Denmark, uh, didn't he? And fought looking like a skeleton. Yeah. yeah 154 yeah, against yeah. Jackson as well, against John Jackson. Yeah. He, was, he was shocking in Denmark, I remember that. He was bad in Jackson fight, yeah. wasn't he? Turned yeah. Totally got the right hook yeah, in that. I mean, yeah. look, and, and that, yeah, and, and that was a huge shot. But prior to that, he was getting battered. Um, I don't know, but it's, it's all right saying get rid of him. But Booth is a he's a proven, you know, he's a proven top like top level trainer. But, but then if you're saying right, let's go, let's move away from him. Who are you looking to move him to? It's all right saying get rid of him, but like come up with some suggestions. 
Um, I, I don't know who you'd look to move him to, really. I mean, I know he's with MTK, but I don't see him going with Jamie Moore, who was like the favoured fighter. Um, would he look at someone like Ben Davidson? Um, possibly. That maybe that sort of style might work for him. Um, I don't see him going to someone like Dominic Ingle, even though he's got not a similar fight, but you know, like Galahad is, you know, like very much a boxer rather than a brawler. Um, I'm on paper, he's done nothing wrong as a pro on the booth. Why would you look to make the change at the moment? You open yourselves up to you know, like to fallbacks if he leaves, goes to say Joe Bloggs gets beat. Why didn't you stay with Adam Booth? If it doesn't work out, or there's you know, like location issues type of thing or personal reasons i get it but at the moment i wouldn't i don't trainer is the issue i think conlon's limited and he'll ultimately get out it'd be it'd be a, it'd be his third trainer as well as a pro if he was to switch from booth because he left the guy in the states didn't he when he came Manny home? robles Manny robles uh-huh. so um god yeah i forgot about that i forgot he was with it he left booth yeah mm. Yeah, maybe he can go with Shannon Courtney's trainer, the, Poundland uh, Adam Booth. Poundland Adam Booth. What about um, what about uh, what's this? What about Mick Whale? Yeah, Mick Whale. Someone be good. like that, you know. Um, get, yeah, get him into South Yorkshire type of thing. Yeah, I think that'd be. Um, I think Pork. Yeah, Michael Conlon on Porky's corner. I think that'll do big numbers for him. But there's a fight I want to pick up in the chat there, which MB put in, which was Michael Conlon against. Um, Tommy Ward, Ooh. Thomas Patrick Ward. I think he's like twenty nine and oh. It'd be one for the purists, but I think it's a, it's one I wouldn't mind seeing. I think Tommy Ward could beat him as well because Tommy Ward's a very skilled boxer. Can't can't punch whatsoever, but I think he's another fighter that could certainly ask questions of Conlon as well. Um, and Tommy Ward is one that is looking to push to that world level. But I think we know that Conlon's next fight is certainly going to be for some sort of world title, to say the least. This one was a case of, let's get the ring rust off, let's see what we can do, what opportunities we can get, and then be ready to operate at world level. Even though for me, and I think from everybody else on this podcast thinks as well, he's not at that level whatsoever. Over in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Eddie shut down the streets, as only Eddie can. I didn't see the main event, Cecilia Breakers losing to Jessica McCaskill. Bit of a surprise there. Israel Madrimov, I thought he looked he looked a bit, he looked quite bad in the first six rounds. Madrimov, he was absolutely swinging for the hills. Looked like he was bowling a cricket ball against ex-con Eric Walker. He was getting touched up a bit. We spoke about this, Andy, off-air. I was saying to you, I clocked the referee. I had spidey sense on this referee from about the second round. I noticed whenever he was pushing them apart, he wasn't, like, extending his arms. He was letting them get back in too quickly against each other. One guy mm-hmm. went down, got back up again. The referee didn't even wipe his gloves on his shirt. He just let them go again. And I thought, this referee is a bit suspect. And then, all of a sudden, Eric Walker gets pretty much knocked out. But the referee... Let's the fight go on, gives him five minutes to recover, and then midway through the round, you can hear him shouting over while the two guys are lamping each other, going, has the round finished? Is this round over? <laughs> <laughs> Absolute incompetence galore in that. Jesus <laughs> suffering, Christ. Um, for the record, by the way, I'll go in there. I, mean, I, had look at, I had a look at some of the comments on this, by the way. I'm actually staggered as to how many people actually think he actually made the right call here and says that I, he, 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 he got knocked down purely because he got speared. I'm sorry, he got fucking knocked out, okay? And if you look at... I mean, I went back and watched it, tried my best to watch it in slow motion. If you look at the shot, you know, 
Madrimov actually squares his feet up. He's actually kind of he's at a funny angle as he lands a shot. He's kind of like almost kind of like 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 straight over on himself. So he kind of like leans forward. Like a baseball he kinda, pitch, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, basically, yeah. So he kind of staggers forward as he does. So his left foot, Walker then Walker's right foot lands on top of Madrimov's left foot. So I don't know if that's maybe it's also was part of the the knockdown. Maybe it's kind of got his, his balance off and stuff. But there's no way. Um, no, there was anything uh, else but wrong there that he got knocked. He got knocked out off that off that left hook. I mean, he's rolling about the floor and stuff. Um, you know, he's 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 kind of falling into the corner and stuff. Doctor comes into the ring and stuff like that. I'm sorry, you know, people are going in here stuff. Oh, you, you, you didn't know the rules of boxing. Um, you know, that was definitely was a knockdown. I'm, Steve Smogers come out and says the referee got it wrong. Absolutely got it wrong. So if, if Steve oh, Smogers saying that, got it wrong. You know, he fucking got it wrong. The guy's on the ground for five minutes because he's exactly he over with his shoulder he's for fucking. He's the fucking corner was it. screaming at the referee. He's done. He's done. Count him out. He's done. It's over. What are you doing? He, he was, said, "Give me time." The referee said, "Give me time." Nobody said, "Fucking hell, man." He was down on a legitimate punch. Did you know he didn't land? That's that fucking shotgun gun off. And the smoker says the shoulder had nothing at all to do with it. Yeah, there's people out there arguing. Well, you know. You know, he's, he speared them. I was like, oh, watching WWE now or something like that. Spear jab. Spear jab and all that sort of stuff. Fucking hell, so the guy was out. To, don't be listening to the public opinion because Sky did a poll. <laughs> and who do you have winning between Rachel Ball and Shannon Courtney? And 54% of the polls will say Shannon Courtney. So, you know, that'll tell you like who's fucking watching these things, you know what I mean? As, as, as Bim okay. says in the chat, now, Eric Walker got knocked down and lost on points in the same fight. <laughs> It's, it's absolutely true. Give him his credit, Andy. He was tough as fuck, man. Oh, he got he knocked was. out and he came back to take another six rounds of that punishment. He was oh, tough, man. Yeah, he was. I mean, oh, well, we know his background and stuff, but he's hard as hard as nails, man. You know, end of the day, he's absolutely tough as nails. But that, I'm sorry, man. I mean, we can't laugh and stuff, but you know, we had we had a bad year last year for fucking ring deaths. That could have been another one there last night, and I'm not fucking saying that lightly. But come on, the guy got knocked to the guy, the referee. Ah, he could have been concussed. Right, Don't know how bad he's been concussed. He's then been, he's been, he's been given an allotted five minutes and then told to go on with it. That's how, that, that's how fighters die in the ring. And where's the fucking corner, by the way? The corner should be fucking looking at the guy. They should know him better than that. He'd, okay, you know, Madrimov, obviously, is a work in progress. He's a, he's a big puncher. He's Obviously, he's not the French article and stuff, okay? No. But come on, man. End of the day, as I you know, to send him back out of there, I mean, at that age, I mean, he's not had a lot of fights and that because he's, he's, he's restarted his career after, after a prison stint and stuff, but at 37-year-old, man, and, you know, that, that for whatever career he, he was going to have left and stuff, that was it probably ended there last night. You just never know what kind of punishment he took and if he would ever fight again. That's just absolutely disgraceful refereeing. As I say, that's another one, actually, like that judge um, for the Romero fight. Keep an eye on that referee for any fights. He appears on Nixon stuff because he's on the watch list as well, worth a watch in that fucker. I don't think this... we'll see him again, Andy, as we said before. It's oh, like Midwest of Texas, isn't it? They appear on TV every now and again you don't see him again. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, because uh, I, I, I'm no joke, man. A fighter's got to be worried about his health, his life, with him in the ring. Oh, well, yeah, you know, um, the punch landed that, but the, you know, it, was a, it was a good punch, but the shoulder knocked him down. Well, you don't see the feet getting tangled up at the same time. You know how many times have we seen? How many times have we seen like like um like a, a punch get called, for example, right? A fighter goes doing it and, and, and it doesn't get called a knockdown. It's a slip because of a tangle of feet, for example. You know, just 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 things like that. Just you know, it's like 
honestly, it's just incompetence, absolute incompetence. And there'd have been hell to pay there last night, by the way, if something, you know, if something you know, happened to that guy, either get stretched out, collapsed uh, in, in the shower afterwards or something like that, or has a bad bad night and he ends up in the hospital. You know, that, that referee will get fucking crucified, quite rightly. Ten years in the pen, Eric woke up thinking he was still in solitary confinement, <laughs> the poor fella. <laughs> oh, dear. Absolutely shocking, man. Uh, a quick word on McCaskill Breakers before we go on to fight camp. No, Ozzy, we haven't gone on fight camp just yet. Uh, I didn't catch Breakers. I, I caught guys off, uh, you know, Winston Campos is just fodder for lights like, up and comers. You know, Josh Taylor smashed him up in like three rounds as well, I think. Breakers, um, I don't, I think I maybe picked it to win last week and stuff, but um, I did say Eddie's rubbing his hands together, actually, at the thought of Katie Taylor, McCaskill too, for undisputed welterweight title. Um, I don't know if Breakus has got a rematch clause in the contract, um, and then obviously you might have the politics side of it as well. So you just never know. You know, she's had she's had a good run actually, Breakus. Um, you know, she's you know she's for for a woman boxer. I mean, she, she's she's got a legacy. She she's managed to do her bit for her, uh, her her country as well. I mean, you know, it was you know, professional boxing was banned in Norway for like thirty five years, and she's done her bit to try and get the get the the, the professional ban over uh, overturned, which she's successfully helped out with about three, four years ago. Um just just only had like two defences in her in her home country and that so I think she might be call it quits now because there's not really much for else to do really. Um unless she gets the rematch, fights Clarissa Shields. You know, she's made enough money. Um she's a star back in her homeland and stuff, so really not much point for it to continue. So uh, probably best to retire, I think. But yeah, you know, that's just me saying that. But I think you say, or some people say that she looked slow last night and stuff like that. So maybe, maybe it's age getting up there. She's almost forty now, isn't she? So yeah, we said last night. I don't think fighting Clarissa Shields is a good idea. That's not going to end well. No, probably not. Not at this point, mate. Not at this point. No, I don't think so. Uh, okay, yes, we'll be talking Povetkin later on. We'll be going through the rest of the shows as well, uh, talking to the boys. Before we do so, fight camp. I'll give my two pence worth and then Ozzy can come in after me. Didn't see John Doherty against Anthony Fox. I think there must have been football on Friday night. I was watching something else. I missed most of the Conway Mansouri fight as well. Conway's not a bad fighter at that level, actually. Uh, Zelfa Barrett, never been impressed with Zelfa Barrett, really. Uh, but I think that his youth and his freshness shone through. He showed a lot of bottle against Eric Donovan because Eric was boxing really well, landing some shots on him. And Barrett came back to finishing really impressively. So it's a tick in the box as far as I'm concerned because I haven't been, been fussed on Barrett to this point. Eddie talking about world titles. Wouldn't write anybody winning a world title off these days, but it seems British, maybe European level at the moment for me. Felix Cash predictably knocking out Jason Wellborn. He's rough, tough and he's rugged, but Cash is just one step too far. And then Shannon Courtney, obviously, we called it, Aussie especially. The money was on, friend of the pod, Rachel Ball. Uh, Matthew Macklin had an absolute shocker belly of the week for him. I thought Rachel was a worthy winner. And uh, Howard Foster agreed, Aussie. He did. He did. And really pleased as well. As I say, as soon as we got Rachel on the pod, I'd done the research before it. Um, saw she was a three to one, basically just under three to one um, outsider to beat Shannon Courtney, and and after seeing the fight in Denmark, I thought she's well within a ch- well within well worth a bet to beat Shannon Courtney. She had a decent jab, she could lead off it as well. Um, so yeah, uh, and and it proved it. It proved it. Great shot to knock her down with in the first. Fuck me. And she took a big right hand as well. And she admitted after the fight that she was wobbled on that. But to come back almost immediately and then land 
which I think she threw the same combination three times and on the third time, Courtney walked onto it and she was hurt then as well. And I think if it was three-minute rounds, um, she certainly would have... I think she'd have been stopped, basically, Courtney. Courtney came back, um, but ultimately, ball finished well and and, and was a worthy winner. Uh, Macklin's commentary was a disgrace. It was one of those where ball had land clean and Courtney would be praised for having a good chin rather than acknowledging the good work of ball. Um, Courtney would throw shots, they'd miss, but it'd be deemed as a good right hand. Uh, and it highlighted just how biased the commentary can be. But it was great to see that the away fighter actually got the decision. Um, there's been uproar from, you know, like Team Courtney and all their like clingers on who bum off her and things like that online. Um, would we have seen the same reaction if Courtney had got a close decision? Absolutely not. But for Rachel Ball, who has worked throughout this pandemic as a full-time job as a social worker and trained alongside it, what a win for her. Eddie Earns came out after it and said she needs to take the rematch because it's good for her profile. Absolutely not. She does not need to take the rematch. Why the fuck does she need to do that? She's in line for a Commonwealth title shot now. Why does she need to rematch Shannon Courtney? Particularly when he said Shannon Courtney should go and have a six-rounder. So, no, Rachel Ball should go and win the Commonwealth title. And to be honest, if you win that, it's that easy now these days to get a world title shot at um, you know, like a female level because of the depth. She should be looking all the way forward. Leave Shannon Courtney to it, maybe revisit that rematch a long way down the line. But she certainly doesn't need to take the rematch whatsoever because it was a close fight. Absolutely not. If it was a blatant robbery, fine. But rematches don't... Because re it was close, it doesn't mean a rematch is guaranteed. As for Shannon Courtney... Um, she was better than what I thought she was. I will give her that. Um, she certainly she certainly showed she's better than what she's operated at. But ultimately, out of flaws, she's calling for three-minute rounds. If it was three-minute rounds, she was gassed after six. She'd have been gassed after four. Um, I, I revealed there was weight issues prior to it. It was scheduled at eight stone ten. Uh, the camp got in touch with Team Ball and basically said, we can't make this weight. Can it go to nine stone one? They accepted that. And she was just a few ounces under the nine stone one limit. But on the Wednesday night prior to weighing, she was hammering the treadmill in various layers because she still needed to get weight off. Did she underestimate Rachel Ball a bit? I think so. Uh, and she was certainly questioning herself pre-fight, saying, I know why people are going against me. But then would jump in and say, actually, I don't. But no, back to the winner, Rachel Ball, really pleased for her. And fingers crossed she gets opportunities from it. I thought she came across really well throughout the whole fight camp experience. Great for interviews, brilliant throughout the week, and is a good, honest fighter that deserves the respect and opportunity. Um, John Doherty, great win this. Anthony Fox rarely gets stopped. I think it's only the second time. And if you're not on song, he'll beat you. Uh, his record is certainly better. He's had every fight in the away corner. Eight wins, 12 losses, four draws. Um, some of those losses were certainly controversial. Four draws as an away fighter shows, you know, like you come it to, you bring it to win. Doherty had a, a couple, the first two rounds I thought were uneasy for him, but he adapted and he'll learn more from this seven rounds than he's had all of his career. Um, and he did a job on Anthony Fox, which I don't think we'll see many people do again. Um, Kieran Conway was a worthy winner against Nav Mansouri. 
Um, I agree with you, Steve, that Conway is a good operator at domestic level. Um, certainly think he, I think he could beat Anthony Fowler type of thing. Um, and there's some good fights to be made. Cheeseman rematch, uh, Fowler, Fitzgerald. Certainly want to see those fights. JJ Metcalf. I think he might struggle uh, to keep Fowler off him because of the punching power. Yeah, possibly. But Fowler's shown he can be outboxed as well. Um, I don't look at Fowler's win mm. too much against Adam Harper because Harper literally couldn't bang at all. But Conway's a lot better than that and he's got skills. Um, I certainly, it'd be a fight I'd like to see. Um, I'd rather see that than, you know, like Fowler against another Adam Harper type of thing. Um, and look, he had a close fight with Cheeseman, um, a draw, which many people thought Conway won as well. Um Zelfa Barrett, Eric Donovan. I enjoyed the fight. And if you've not seen it, I'd certainly it's on Sky's YouTube. Certainly try and tune into it. Eric Donovan was winning, winning hands down. And I don't want to say exposed Barrett because I don't think he was exposed because Zelfa certainly pulled it out. But the one concerning thing to me was that Donovan's a featherweight. And I thought Barrett was wobbled a couple of times, and managed to uh, see it through. And I do wonder if Zelfa boiling down to super feather. Just takes that, you know, like the final couple of pounds takes that bit of extra energy um, out of him. And maybe if he'd be better suited at lightweight. But he dug deep and he showed balls and it was a great finish. Um, certainly a place for Donovan at domestic level. Uh, well liked. I mentioned to David Lee, friend of the pod, that I think a fight with Tyrone McCullough when crowds are back, I think could do big numbers in Ireland, Steve. I don't know what you think of that, but... If it's that super feather, I think it'd certainly do big numbers. Donovan's a likeable guy. I believe got a lot of publicity over in Ireland. Uh, and fingers crossed, you know, he gets an opportunity. He came across really well. And he's a good fighter. Bear in mind, his last pro what was his last amateur fight at four years ago? And he was a top amateur. And he's, in reality, hasn't a lot to get to 12 and 0. Um, so I definitely want to see him again. And the main event played out as expected. Felix Cash battered Jason Wellborn, who I would po probably like to see him retire. Um, he's had three heavy stoppage defeats in his last three fights. How long can you go on for? He can probably certainly ask questions of lads coming through and things like that, but how many sustained beatings can you take You know, at, at British level? They're no mugs, these guys. Um, and your health is the most important thing, but Cash, certainly want to see him stepped up now. Uh, Liam Williams was mentioned. Don't want to see that because Williams would obliterate him. We've seen Williams is certainly thriving at 160. I think he'd destroy Cash. But there's other fights at 160, which he can certainly look at uh, and challenge for. Mark Heffron, one, for example. Denzel Bentley being another one as well. I'd like to see those sort of fights. Quick word from you over in uh, Mimecam for Rob. Uh, Eric Donovan did a good job, like I said, for a period. Just couldn't quite sustain it. I think just Zelfa's youth, for, uh, you know, professionalism, the fact that he's full-time and all that. Also, Shannon Courtney, back up to heavyweight. The boys in the chat are saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, Eric, I mean, we both said it last week, didn't we? We thought that Eric could give Zelfa Barrett a lot of problems, but ultimately Barrett should come through with um, chip off the old block. Um, with that left hook, the fucking very same as his old man with the left hook. I haven't watched much of Zelfa Barrett, to be honest with you. I hadn't been that, that enamoured with earlier bits I saw of him, but um, to be outboxed with a fight and then pull it out, 
with a left hook like that and then finish it, you got to give him a bit of credit. I think, you know, Eric Donovan is not a mug, even though he hasn't had the same opportunities as other pro fighters, as we mentioned. High-level Irish amateur, but being a high-level Irish amateur in the boxing, it's very competitive space, especially when there's fellas ahead he expected to medal in the Olympics and stuff. So he didn't have the same opportunities to turn pro as everybody else. I think he had his first pro fight with Andy Lee, and then um, went on and did bits and pieces here, kind of part-time, trying to be full-time at it for the first time, I think, over the last two years or something. So very difficult role for him, but he's put himself in the window now and he can get another fight. Definitely at 26, he's got no business being a, a 130. Um, Shannon Courtney, here's my hot take on the Shannon Courtney, which is going to be a terrible comparison between Ronda Rousey in the UFC and Holly Holm because the two contrasting personality. Shannon Courtney has become this um, parody of herself where she believes her own hype and she comes across as, like, I understand she's trying to sell a fight and she's learning the business and she's very enthusiastic to be successful in that and some of the interviews she comes across a bit personable but it seems these days when you put a camera in her face she's, a, she's adopting this persona like she's some mean bitch that you don't mess with who always knocks people out and kind of had this kind of Reminded me just a little bit of Ronda Rousey at a height of her popularity, like completely arrogant and believing in her own hype. Not that she's ever achieved anything like Ronda Rousey, but I'm just, yeah, again, I said this is a terrible hot take at the start. Um, but then it just, when you, when you get an opportunity like that, look at Rachel Paul, man, like she came across so well. She cried in the interview afterwards about what it meant to her. She's a social worker. She ended up as the kind of darling of the of the media after the fight, like so. Um, I think if Eddie had a brain on his head, or a head on his shoulders rather, um, I think he'd be looking to do some with Rachel Ball and build a profile because she's very relatable and she came across really well. And I think she will have gained a lot of fans. Um, where does Shannon Courtney go from now? Probably back to fighting people with losing records for a while. Um, it says a lot that this is this. I think that was her second opponent with a re- winning record, and she lost like. And I thought she lost convincingly enough. You know, the, the referee had a close. Matthew Macken certainly had a close. Um, he was shocking. Like, I mean, it's not it's not uncommon on, on Sky now, is it? You know they're reading from a script. And I mean, I think, I believe that literally, like that they're given guidelines that they have to big up certain fighters and that's in the, in the interest of the network because it's just so biased this time and they, then you get guys who are normally good other places and they come to Sky and they still kind of toe the line so it definitely feels like the, there's a pre-written script there because Macklin I don't know what fight he was watching man I just don't know what fight he was watching he could not stop talking about Shannon Courtney and Rachel Ball was was dominating part of the fight so I know Courtney dug in and that and but it really says a lot as well about the level of women's boxing when you can get someone like Shannon Courtney who basically started doing boxer side classes and someone said she can punch and she turns pro and ends up on fucking matchroom like so um the less said about that the better like I think to be honest with you I don't want to cane her too much because people could be kind of nasty as well in the aftermath of this but I think she's invited a lot of the backlash on herself by the way she carries on when there's a camera in front of her face lately like yeah, I agree with everything the boys have said. One thing I will say in Courtney's defence, and I'd never seen a Shannon Courtney fight before this, and I, I admitted that, was that she dug in like she could have wilted and she never stopped trying to win the fight and she did dig in against Ball and try and make it close and competitive as it was. So she showed spirit and she showed fight and I'll give her a credit for that. Uh, Andy, anything from you on the card? Especially John Doherty, he's only 22, can clearly punch. Jordan Latimer yeah. told us all about his punching power, definitely. Looks like one to watch. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I, th- I thought at times, though, that he was maybe kind of sm- uh, smothering his own work a wee bit early in the fight, but then maybe he was just kind of like, you know, leaning on Fox, that kind of like his natural weight and size, kind of, you know, telling him and stuff. And it was a good stoppage in the end, really. Uh, John's really, uh, he's looking good and stuff. But um, he, it was also, he was talking about early, early in the year, they're actually hopefully by December, he said he's looking to be fighting for the British and that, and he's you know, he's given himself a, a, a quick timeline because he, he estimates he's only going to beat 168 for another two years, which, looking at him, actually, you know, it doesn't look too far off. I mean, he's almost, what, he's 6'2", he's only 23, I think he's 24 later on in, uh, in the year, and that's, so in the next two years will be mid-20s, and that's, so it would be conceivable that he might have to move up, actually, as he, as he naturally grows. Um Mansuri, I mean, you talk about bald, eh, no, no ball. Courtney digging in. I, hope, I thought Mansuri dug in as well. Actually, he could have, he could have got stopped in that eh, um, against Conway. Eh, Barrett, Arsenal, Winder left hook in that fair play to Donovan. You know, digging in there and you know, almost kind of well, he was he was winning the fight actually until eh, he gets until he gets eh, smashed out. Well born, big beating, big beating. You know, that's that's another that's about three stoppage defeats in the spin now. I think that. Um, he looked like a faded old man in that ring, actually, as well. So I think it's, it's probably time for him now to kind of step in. Journeyman uh, status, nah, that's, that's what he's at, to me, anyway, at this point. Um, and a shout-out to all the guys and that, everybody was listening to Ozzy um, about six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, about the ball Courtney fight. You know, we gave a big breakdown on Rachel, um, uh, Rachel fighting for the world title. And uh, she's, came, she's came good. A few people you know, want to be bit of coin. That's what you want. And uh, just just to finish off, my my wife actually watched this fight with us. The only reason I watched it is because I know Ozzy and a few of the guys that had money on it and stuff. So you know, Ozzy was hiding behind the, uh, the couch. He was telling me that as well, kissing his fucking betting slip. Uh, but uh, he was glad when the when the, when the announcement came in. <clears throat> but the wife did say that Rachel Ball's got lovely hair, and she wants it. So uh, if Rachel, if you're listening, you know, my wife wants to lend your hair. Well, I was expecting it to go there, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. That's what she said. She's, oh, she's got lovely hair. I mean, really? Okie doke. Uh, we'll move on to the action for next week. Finishing off with Dillian White against Alexander Povetkin. Excellent pay-per-view attraction that it is. Before we do so, let's give a shout-out to some of our boys over on Patreon. Starting with Thomas Byrne. Good lad, he is. He is MX O'Keefe, Z Economics, James Monaghan, Marty G, Marco Barrera, and James Addy, Joe Ringer. Marvellous Mendo, Nathan Shaw, John Kearns, Dom McNamara. I haven't seen Dom in the chat tonight. He's usually there or thereabouts. Craig Jevons, George Barry, Jeff Conway and Graham Taylor, former England manager. Who knows? Well, I think he's dead, so he's not going to be in the chat, is he? Andy, let's get on to next Saturday evening. Well, I'll give you the pick of two cards, actually. You can talk about both or neither. Uh, first of all, Johan Pablo Hernandez, the comeback we didn't want to see. Cruiserweight, he's up at heavyweight now, 29-1. and one. Good fighter back in the day, a little bit chinny, could always punch. I thought he was very skillful, Hernandez. Going in against an eight-rounder against Kevin Kingpin Johnson. If that doesn't float your boat, Andy, one night previous, Sergio Martinez, will he come to the ring in a wheelchair? Returns in Spain against Jose Miguel Fandino. Also, let's party Fandingo. like it's 2008. Kiko's on the card against Noé Martinez-Regoza. More interestingly enough, Sergio Garcia, 31-0, might be the only proper fighter on that card, going in against Mendoza. So you've got Sergio Martinez, Andy, you've got Kiko Martinez, you've got Johan Pablo Hernandez. Isn't this a great time to be alive? Oh, yeah. Um, yep, fantastic. Well, I can't wait. Next week is going to be fantastic. Uh, Garcia was the one that beat Cheeseman, wasn't it? Sergio Garcia. But um, Kiko, what is just Kiko now? He must be well when he's been there. You know, Late 30s now, surely. Oh, no, because he came on the scene quite early. He's only 34. Is he? 
I tell you, he's been going to the uh, Luis Ortiz factory of birth certificates, I think. Oh, Christ, oh, man. 24, he fucked 24. He's had about 50 fights today as well, <laughs> so he's fucking wearing it pretty he well. He about fucking 40 when he won the world title, man. Fuck <laughs> me. <laughs> oh, Christ. Remember, remember he beat Bernard on my hair? He <laughs> fucking hair at the time. Um, yeah, I mean, seriously though, fucking Martinez, who, by the way, he was, for a time, one of, one of my favourite fighters, active fighters at the time, actually back, what was it, 2012 and stuff. Uh, it's, he's been out the ring now six years, shot to absolute bits, kind of doing the road work, he's got his cycle to do his cardio stuff and that, so, uh, obviously, I mean, pad work's pad work and that, but he looked like an absolute novice in that pad work that we've seen on Twitter, what was it, two months ago and stuff. Um, no good can come of this, I mean, okay... We didn't want to say, like, you can't fight and stuff. Everybody, if they want to fight, they can fight. But uh, you just hope that he's, you know, he's just wanting one more fight to kind of end on a win, and that's it, and he'd be, you know, be done with it, because uh, whatever aspirations he's got, it's, it's, it's minimal. I mean, he's no Roberto Duran, he's no Sugar Ray Leonard, he's no Ali, he's no Joe Lewis who can come back after a prolonged period out or whatever and fucking turn the business. He's just, he's just not that type of fighter. Um, who else we got? German card. Oh, I own. Yeah, there's another one. Hernandez. You mm. own Pablo Hernandez. Who was his last fight against? How long ago was it? Can't remember actually. Let me see if we'll find that. Because we went through the Steve Cunningham fights, didn't we, last week? And 2014. All that, and... So he's well, he retired for... through ill health, didn't he? Or the one of the well, boys I... was saying that. Yeah, yeah, there was there was meant to be injuries. There was meant to be an issue as well. There was, there was, there was definitely personal problems. There was tax issues, and I'm sure there was divorce as well somewhere along the okay, line. Okay, you so ready, on. Andy? It was August 2014. He won a split decision yeah, yeah. over the evergreen Firat Arslan. Oh, Arslan. We could see the rematch, Andy. Close <laughs> fight, Arslan. Last, last boxed earlier this year in February. Uh, knocked out of Kevin Lorena, but Arslan yeah. is 49. I want to see the rematch. The fans are demanding it already in Germany. Arslan's drinking Arslan. from the fountain of youth, Ozzy, like Kiko. Yeah, mate, why yeah. not? Why not? Uh, Clearly uh, not uh, getting anything behind the scenes. But... No, no, no. I mean, I mean, Kiko Martinez wasn't possibly kind of you know tied up in the, that operation. That was it called again. When it caught all the cyclists and stuff, there was boxers' names the names mentioned on there as well, but it never came to anything. I always meant, I always believed that Kiko was was involved there. So was the other one, the, the one that uh, oh, Gavin Lee speak. Hi, hi. No, but Hernandez. I mean, you just know this is eight rounds of snooze face right now against Kevin Johnson. Safety pin just comes along. He just you know box distance and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I dare say we'll watch the highlights and stuff. But um, unless there's knockouts and stuff, I, I can't see myself lining up the watch this with any great enthusiasm like you know I just hopefully the guys come out okay but uh, yeah it's, it's pretty poor looking it is uh, moving stateside next week in the bubble Rob get yourself in there uh, Leda Alvarez going in against Joe Smith Jr Alvarez is a big strong unit not much of a puncher Smith is pretty slow plodding can dig though this might be a fun 12 rounder Elida Alvarez against Joe Smith Jr get on it Rob yeah, I think there'll be a few thudding shots in that, especially when it's behind closed doors. You'll be able to hear them on the on the TV coming across like um, Joe Smith Jr. Like apart from fucking ejecting the hop from the fucking ring, I mean he's a big raw puncher, isn't he? Like just a big raw unit. Like so, I, I'm actually going to go and predict the Joe Smith knockout scene as Alvarez got smashed up by Kovalev in the rematch. So I'm going to go ahead and say that 
Alvarez is capable of doing it, but Joe Smith is going to blast him out of there within six. Well bespoken. Aussie, Saturday the 22nd of August, um, over in the production studio in Redditch. Fat Mick will be all over this. It's his show, Channel 5. Isaac Chamberlain, good signing for Chamberlain. Could be the new face of Channel 5. Was go- expected to have a better opponent at the moment. It's TBA, 10-rounder for him. Mick Hennessy Jr. is on the card. KC Benjamin going in against Kona Walker. Connor Walker. Uh, Mick knows how to put a good show together. Shakan Pitters, he's that big, tall, light heavyweight, isn't he? Going in for the British title against Chad Sugden, who didn't he draw with, was it Craig Richards? And he was a bit of a character at ringside, Sugden. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Sugden was pulled in as a last minute replacement um, for, I can't remember if Richard should have been boxing and got a draw. Uh, Give a real good account of himself and basically got the fight off the back of this. Um, I would think Pitters has got too much for him, basically. Um, slick boxer, Pitter's a freak for making the weight. It's scary how he somehow gets down to light heavyweight. Uh, but I think Pitter should have too much. But something will be game. I'm sure, he's got kickboxing experience, got a very front on stance. Uh, but yeah, Pitter should win. Um, I don't know much about the Midlands area title fight between Benjamin and Walker. Uh, I can't say I've seen any of those. Uh, and then the rest at the moment don't have any opponents. Chamberlain. Um, I know uh, Hennessy's got another show lined up with that, Dil Magani fighting for the European title and Chamberlain's on that. So I don't expect the opponent to be much cop. Uh, Hennessy Jr., I think the last time we saw him, he got a draw out in like, was it like Dubai or something like that? I don't know. Wasn't was he on the Amir Khan undercard or something? Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, in Jeddah. Sorry, not Dubai. Yeah. And then he's had a couple of like wins over pretty much just, you know, like average journeyman. And then that Idris Virgos, that guy who was on Love Island, who's shit as well. Um, he's been offered a couple of fights, you know, like fighting the like, you know, um, uh, you know, coming through basically, get him on the, sh- you know, like the bigger promoter shows, you know, get him in the away corner and he's turned them down. So I think he's, he's on another card of Hennessy's later down the line. So he'll probably fight a tin can as well. Uh, but yeah, Fat Mick, he, you can't get rid of him. You push him over, he immediately bounces back up. Nothing to do with that belly of his, of course. Um, so yeah, so yeah, it's one of them. There's two fights confirmed. The, the Benjamin Walker fight will probably be decent. It's 10-1 and 1 against 7-0. and 0. It'll be evenly matched and, like I said, a light area level because it always brings out the best. And it's two lads who want to come and win. And you get a win live on Channel 5. Look, you, regardless of the level, it's... Fr- free-to-air boxing uh, on terrestrial television. People will watch it. They really will. Uh, but, yeah, th- th- there's not really much else to say, to be honest, apart from that. Yeah, Ozzy mentioning there about Chad Sugden being a former kickboxer. I'm starting to get a bit sceptical about this kickboxing thing. I don't know anything about kickboxing, but you hear it all the time now, don't you? Oh, so-and-so was a former three-time kickboxing world champion, and you get these press releases. Oh, she's a former ten-time kickboxing world champion. I'm starting to think now it's like the equivalent of WBU titles or some <laughs> shit, man. It must be. It, it was. It was getting. It was getting into the, in the part of the introduction in that three-time kickboxing yeah, champion. Like, what? <laughs> I, I think. Oh, I think man. Steve, I think at certain levels, it can the the experience can certainly do you good. So, like Rachel Ball had done, you know, like ten rounds at kickboxing, you know, yeah. like ten two minute rounds, and then she'd had, you know, like she's had uh, ten two minute rounds as a boxer as well. And when you're operating at the lower levels, I certainly think that experience, you know, operating against skilled fighters and a different, you know, like 
it's not the same, but you know, at least you are doing some sort of boxing. It's not as if you know they've come over from like MMA and it's completely different. Mm. So I think up to a certain level it helps, but then when you're progressing past, you know, like domestic level, um, it's largely irrelevant to be honest, because you know, like you, you need proper boxing skills to get there. And I think naturally when you've done, you know, the, the ten, you know, like ten rounds or twelve rounds, whatever, that at to, up to a certain level I think is beneficial. But there's no business, you know, like I'm announcing it, you know, like pre, you know, like pre-fight, like fuck that. You wouldn't say, you know, like anything else. Like who cares? It's a completely different sport. But can I certainly you imagine? Think... When you go go on, sorry. No, I was just going to say, can you imagine the UFC kind of like when, when Brock Lesnar was still fighting there and the former yeah. 17,000 time WWE champion of the world, Brock Lesnar. Yeah, exactly, fuck. Yeah. That's the thing. It sounds yeah. impressive, doesn't it? Like it no does. matter what the discipline, if you're yeah. a world champion, but I'm thinking to myself, and like I say, you're seeing like, 10-time world, former world kickboxing champion. She's like 21 years old. This was another mm. press release I saw. I'm thinking, 10-time world champion at 21 years old. I'm thinking, nah, come on, man. That's like IBC or something. Titles equivalent must be. Yeah. I should have put on my fight record there. Uh, two-time Irish MC battle champion. <laughs> there you go. Get it on. Get it on the resume. Right, anyway, talking to former kickboxers, Dylan White, I think might have done a bit of kickboxing in his time. I know Pele Reed, and he knocked out Vitaly Klitschko in the old kickboxing with a kick yeah, to the jaw. Yeah. There you go. Sparkle <laughs> them, by the way. Sparkle yeah, them. Exactly. Whatever happened to old Pele Reed? He could certainly dig with his feet and his, and his fists. Anyway, <clears throat> excuse me, Andy, episode 386, me, you, Rob, and Ozzy, before we go on to Bell You of the Weeks. Let's get this one over and done with the final fight camp. Uh, episode storm at number four on Saturday the 22nd of August Alan Babich has been added to the card against Sean Del Terrell Winters that's who pushed it over the edge for me I'm definitely ordering it now Luther Clay against Chris Congo interesting fight WBO global title not having that Jack Cullen against Zach Chelly again decent fight only five fights on the card suppose that's all they're allowed to do looking forward to the rematch between Katie Taylor and Delphine Pursoon expect Katie to get the job done this time and the main event, I don't think Povetkin's got much left. I think Dillian White will beat him, probably by a late stoppage. I'm going for White in the 11th round. Andy, what are you going for? Um, I don't know. Um, I'm, I reckon White will stop him, um, probably late, because White's generally a slow starter, I think. Um, I, was, I was reading some comments and stuff that a lot of people do believe that Pavet, uh, Price punches harder than what White does. You know, and Price, you know, hurt Povetkin um, a wee bit before he would stop stuff. So um, I just wonder if uh, if Dillian takes a wee bit of time to kind of come into the fight, um, will Povetkin, you know, try and take him out early with the left hook? I, I, I personally think, you know, okay, he's had time, he's had plenty of time to train for us now, he's had you know, a few months at least. I just think Povetkin's good for two, three rounds and then it's, it's going to be gassing out. Uh, certainly he's not the same fighter since he got done for the, the drugs and stuff like that. So he's. Um, and if what is it, 40, 41 and that, definitely past his prime. Um, I just think that White at this point in his career and that he's got to come he's got to come through here at this point. Um another thing as well is I did notice uh, this is just off topic and that, but you know, WBC confirmed the WBC convention confirmed that he will fight the winner of the Fury uh, well their third fight. But you know, that yeah, that that third fight's not going to happen to at least next year uh, uh, at this rate and that. So White's going to be waiting longer than what you anticipated, even even by by this standard and that. But um, yeah, I mean, I dare say, it's, you know, I, I'll tell you what. Ed, Eddie's show on Saturday was it was it was good. It was exciting because it had you know some close fights and some good knockouts and stuff. And I was saying to Aussie and that, that that's what you want as a boxing fan. You want some you know a wee bit of competitive fights, some knockdowns and a fucking good knockout. 
Um, so if we can get that office card next week, it would be okay. But um, okay, the the board have set it at five fights per card, and that. But Eddie's taking the piss, putting this pay per view just now. You know, this isn't a this isn't a, like a PBC type card he's put on here, like what Big Al's done. Uh, for the twenty second of September or twenty sixth of September, I think it is. This this is just you know making sure that Dylan gets paid. And I Pivetkin. think this is going to fucking tank. By the way, you think so? Yeah. What the main event yeah. one? No, yeah. Do uh, as a pay per view. I think it's going. Oh, to right, I think you meant the fight. For this? Who the fuck is going to pay for this? Well, the fight could too. But who who the fuck is going to pay for this? In it, half the fucking country's on the COVID payment, man. What the fuck is everybody splitting up your fucking three fifty to fucking yeah. to fucking put, to watch Sasha Pivetkin? If we got a fucking one years of age on a pay-per-view fight against Dillian White, give me a fucking... Do you know what the danger is here for Dillian White? Is that he's put himself in the mix, no amateur background, put himself in the mix at world level, but he's not that much better than the other fringe heavyweights. He's put, He's got a better bargaining position and he's got this mandatory thing going and the big campaign behind it and he's made a lot of money off pay-per-view. But... He's not that much better than the rest of the bunch, like by a, but it's not by a country mile. So, Pavekin beating him next week behind closed doors is not that beyond the realms of possibility. It's not. I don't think Dillian White is, is you know, I, I'm not going to say he's um, a B-level fighter, but I don't think he's much better than that. Like in, in all honesty, and I'm not, I'm not attracted from the guy. Like I said, I do like him, but I, I think it's a tricky one for him. I don't think Sasha is out of that at all. Like it depends on if he comes comes out and he's totally shot the bits and he just gets dropped and fucking stops by Dillian White. But if he can put something on Dillian White, man, I don't know. We'd have to see what he, what way he's going to stand up to it. Like because the more fights he has waiting for this title shot, like the bigger chances that it's going to go away. No, I just, think early, Andy, that Povetkin will give him a bit of trouble for the first few rounds. Might even yeah. drop him, actually, but White will just outlast him. What The ideal scenario for me is Povetkin beats White, knocks him out, and then he, he tests, you know, glowing at the end of the fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, possibly, aye. Uh, yeah, well, hang on. Since it's been announced, and that, that's the kind of way I kind of see it going. Povetkin's okay for a few rounds and stuff, because he's quite generally a slow starter, but I suppose... If if Pavetkin's even there's so much dropping, but even if he's able to kind of like wobble him or just kind of like get his mind thinking, shit, this guy can hurt me. Why can go into his shell and just try and kind of like pop a jab, one out on points and stuff? But um, he's, he's shown decent uh, recuperative powers, White, when he gets dropped mm. and stuff. But um, you just wonder as well as you know, Pavetkin maybe the hardest puncher he's faced outside maybe Joshua. Yeah, Pavetkin showed a good engine against Michael Hunter as well. Yeah, I suppose. Um, Where was that fight? Was that, that in... Was in Saudi? Was it no? Oh well, there, there you go then. Was it in Saudi? Yeah. And plus, as well, there's probably been no drug testing for this fight. That, you know, yeah. uh, Dylan's been out in Portugal. Povetkin just come in for Russia today or yesterday, I think it was. Um, so any drug tests will be getting done this week and stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, <laughs> hopefully they're all clean because uh, if, if it does, you know, this is your headline, if it does fall through, your, your pay-per-view is just going to go to shit. <laughs> and uh, they might, I'll tell you what, they might need to do what they did with was it Amir Khan, Paul McCloskey, that was on pay-per-view on, on Sky, then something, a fight fell off, a couple of fights fell off the card, oh, remember? yeah, it, wasn't Fury supposed to be on it? And Ricky aye, Hatton was putting the undercard together, aye, wasn't he? And then and a few fights went off. It ended up on Premier Sports. Aye, it got dropped to Sky Sports 3, but it's meant people would then have to upgrade their Sky Sports subscription because you only got like the first two Sky Sports stations for free. Right. Uh, your subscription, you had to upgrade it. And Canada, I'm not having that. They went to Premier and it just bombed on there as well, you know? So it'd be a shame if that was to happen. Mm. 
Yeah, I met Povetkin a live dog early on, Ozzy, but I say as the fight goes on, I'd say it'd be more to do with White. But if White got knocked off the train on this quest for the world title, it would be interesting. How do you see it going? Uh, I agree with what's been said. Um, I can't really go into it a fight back in somebody that struggled with Marius White last time out. Uh, it was dropped heavily again off Oscar Rivas um, and was ultimately on peds for that fight. Because life and death with Derek, Derek Chisora twice and was hurt in that fight. Should have lost to Joseph Parker. His last decent win was Lucas Brown, where he absolutely obliterated him. But since then, I wouldn't say he's had, you know, he's been impressive in winning. Um, I certainly think, you know, there's a lot of flaws to pick up on. And the, the last time we saw Povetkin was against Michael Hunter. And Hunter's not bad. And we know Povetkin is, you know, like over the hill. And you can argue that some people thought Hunter won, others thought Povetkin won. Uh, and if Povetkin gets that win, that people are praising that victory. Um, he, he completely outboxed Huey Fury, and that was only what a year ago. I don't think that, and I don't think the Hunter fight took much out of him. And in the Joshua fight, he was well in that. Uh, and I think if Povetkin can clip or hit White the way he did. Joshua, where Joshua had spaghetti legs for a moment. I think White's going down there. White is vulnerable. Whilst he can be somewhat dangerous, he's certainly vulnerable and he does get hit. Um, and Povetkin, has, I think, has still got the quality to get White out of there relatively early. Um, we know that he can, I'm not saying he starts quick, but he's not, you know, like he's been there, done it. White's not bringing anything that Povetkin hasn't seen before. Um, they've known that they've had plenty of notice. They're already in the UK. They arrived last week, which is great. So, you know, it'll be, it'll be all set and ready. Um, I might end up with egg on my face here, but I'm going to tip Povetkin to win, and I think he'll stop Dillian White um, after six rounds. White may, will be in better shape than what he was for the whack fight, but I'm just not sold on him. For the reasons I've just said then, that he's not putting an impressive performance since Lucas Brown. So, yeah, I think if there's anyone going to derail the white train now, Povetkin is the one to do it. Um, yes, over the hill, but still possesses his quality, can still hit hard. And white is vulnerable. And when he is hit, yes, he does possess powers of recovery. But who's he been in with recently? You know, who can finish a fight? Nobody like Povetkin. Um, the, the, the rest of the undercard is disappointing, to say the least. Taylor Pursoon is good, but then we saw that Jane Couch revealed that Pursoon has had, you know, like health issues. You know, I think it was a trap nerve, um, hasn't been training a lot, you know, prior to the fight being announced. So that's, that's a concern because the first fight was excellent. And I'd love to see the fight, you know, where I don't want Pursoon coming in, you know, being not fully fit. However, she's took the fight. And if she is injured and she's took it off the back of that for a payday, she can't come out after the fight moaning, saying, well, I've you know I've had a trap nerve and this has happened and this has happened. She took the fight. She's got to step up to the mark. But I think Taylor will have too much and will beat her. Uh, Cullen Chelly's not bad. Uh, I think Cullen will win. Uh, we saw Chelly against I think it was against Cody Davis up at light heavyweight. That's right. Um, in, yeah, in a British eliminator, and that was quite close. That I think Davis edged it out, but I think I like Cullen. Um, operate at a decent level. Um, I know he's I know he's had his losses, but you know he's no mug, um, and I think Cullen will beat Chelly in a relatively close fight. Um, Clay Congo's the best fight on the card. Um, this is a coin flip, and if I'm going to pick a winner, 
I'll probably pick Chris Congo, and it's purely off the back of what I've heard and I know people who've looked after him um, and how highly they rate him. I've seen Clay, I just think he lacks a, I think he lacks a bit of pop in his punches, but he's a very skilled fighter as well. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if this went either way, to be honest. Or, from a couple of things we have seen, a draw. Um, and as for the fight that's just been added, this Alan Babich against Sean Del Winters, the frustrating thing for me is, is that Martin Bacoli was pulled off the card because Sergei Kuzmin was injured, whatever. Why couldn't Bacoli have fought Babich or Winters instead of putting this fight together? This adds absolutely fuck-all value to this card whatsoever. It's just a fight. Um, if it got pulled tomorrow, would anybody lose any sleep or be upset? Absolutely not. They keep bigging up Bacoli, so why not use it as an opportunity to get him out there, go and fight Babich or fight this Winters? They said they couldn't get him an opponent. You've got two heavyweights here who are in the UK now who could quite clearly have fought Martin Bacoli. So I'd like to know the reasons behind that. They said that they're going to look to reschedule the Cusman fight for later down in the year. But why not get him out there? He, he's essentially had a full camp uh, and it's all gone to complete waste. And this fight now, I mean, Babich, I mean, I don't even... This Babich has been sold as, you know, is he something to do with Dillian White? I think he's done a bit of sparring with him. Yeah, sparring you know, partner. So, you know, you're scraping the barrel when it's being billed as Dillian White's sparring partner has been added to the card. Wow. You know, like, yeah, let's, you know, like, a 25,000 people going to go. Alan Babich has been added to the card. Let's buy the pay-per-view. Absolutely not. I'm not saying they do it with Bacoli, but Bacoli's at least got some bit of a name, you know, from where people might want to see him fight type of thing, you know. They're not going to buy it for it, but they think, oh, we'll watch the fight. This will just be one of them that will probably open up the show and no one will give a fuck about. Um, I, I don't know anything about either. I think that Winters fought Parker or something like that. Yeah, it was on zone actually. I remember that now. Yeah, but but it's not a fight I care about. Um, overall, it's certainly not pay-per-view worthy. Um, absolutely not. A uh, bit, bit of cheat, bit of front going on it. I don't care about the numbers. Do I think it'll do massive? Probably not. Andy made a good... Uh, sorry, Rob made a good point. Half the UK still, you know, like either on furlough or sadly been made redundant. Are they going to splash out? Is it 20 quid this? Is it 20 quid this pay-per-view? Yeah. Are they really going to... All right, places are we going to be better. 20 quid to watch Dillian White against Alexander Povetkin. He keeps talking about Katie Taylor, you know, like they deserve the same money, but he won't put Katie Taylor pursuing on as the headline with White Povetkin as you on the card, as your chief support as a pay-per-view. So essentially, it makes no difference. This is not a pay-per-view card. It's very disappointing. Um, and to be honest, for the extra budget they've got with the pay-per-view, I'd probably say it's the worst of the four cards from Fight Camp. Could be, I mean, the fights might catch fire and be really good, but considering this costs 20 quid and the other were just part of a subscription, I'm very unimpressed. What about the fireworks, Ozzy? You're paying <laughs> 20 quid. For, you know, the fireworks have to be paid for. Geranium yeah, but mate, I, can watch, I can watch a YouTube video of fireworks from like by whatever the River Thames or something like that. And it won't cost me anything if <laughs> I want to see fireworks. So uh, yeah, if people are tuning in because they got to see like fancy drone footage and stuff, then they're fucked basically. But no, this this is one that I'd like to see him justify it. Apparently, there's another fight being added this week. But what sort of quality can be added in less than a week? You know, to, to bump out this card and make it, you know, like 
I'm going to buy it. Absolutely nothing. Well, that's what Eddie said last week. He says we're using the elite athlete exemption and looking to make an international heavyweight fight that you're going to like. Mm. Who does he fucking bring up? This this guy, Aleem Babich, who's basically Dylan White's fucking sparring partner. So Dylan has got his word in there. Says, look, Eddie, oh, give my man a spot on undercard. No hey, problem, Dylan. Anything for you, Paul? There we go. They're undusted. It's a joke. Twenty quid, isn't it? I mean, ah, imagine what you could do with twenty quid. You could, you could buy a pair of Shannon Courtney's used socks for twenty quid these days on the open market, Oz. Yeah, yeah, mate. Well, uh, yeah, that profile down now. I'd I'd be going in at an opening offer of four quid or something like that, and see if we can negotiate on it. But yeah, I mean, look, you've said it as it is. This this show is twenty quid, um, and it is this bullshit, you know, from where they've put white on the pay per view. So essentially, now he has to. He is a pay per view fighter, unless he's, you know, he's shoved on, you know, like last minute or something like that because he's coming back from injury. Um, he has to fight on pay per view. And this is the situation it leaves you in. And all it takes is, you know, a couple of fights to fall through, as it did with Bacoli. Um, oh, fucking hell, what's his name? Bacoli. Um, Cousin. Yeah, Cousin, sorry. Yeah. Which, yeah, you're not going to buy it for it. But I, I was looking forward to that. I thought I thought it was a solid fight. Uh, Cullen against uh, Andy Lee's lad. Quigley, uh, yeah. Quigley, yeah, fell through as well. And they've pulled Chelly in, which is, yeah, it's fair enough. And then, yeah, Alan Babich, you know, like the well-known Alan Babich is, is pulled in to prop it up. We just need Dave Allen, don't we? You know, like, press the Dave Allen buttons to come and save another well, He was going to be on, wasn't he, against Huey Fury? Well, yeah, but then he demanded outrageous cash. I think he wanted basically the best part of over 150k to fight Huey Fury on a pay-per-view card. But <laughs> it was That's not a lie, that either. That is true. That is true. What was that? Alan 100? wanted, that, yeah, over 100, 150k to fight Huey Fury. Okay. And Fury was willing to take a pay drop as that's well. Not even, that's not even British title level money, man. <sighs> that's not British title level money. So that's three just, times, eh? That's what I just said. It's, it's not even British that's title level money, that. Yeah. I, I thought you meant as in the other way around. I'm thinking, fuck me, if someone's getting 150k for a British title. No, no, yeah. Mate, that's... Some boxers won't fight for a world title for 150k. Exactly. So, yeah, so that that's that. Um, yeah, it, it's not a pay-per-view. People will still buy it. Um, I won't be one of those. Proudly say that. Um, I'll certainly catch somehow catch the white Povetkin fight. I'd like to see Clay Congo because I think that will be competitive. But if I don't see the rest of it, I'm not going to lose any sleep. Fair enough. Talking asleep, Jason Chukwu is hanging around in the chat. He fell asleep. He's woken up now. I think he's allowed to talk. Uh, before we move on to Belly of the Week's final shout out to the Patreon boys, list number three: uh, Kevin Crawford, Matt, Matthew Reynolds. Shout out to Daniel Wilson, Saul Brocklehurst, Gary Lockwood, Davy Man One Hundred, Jamie, Mike Wrigley, Holt, Holly Lewis, Red West, Jamie D, Gordon, Sean Nomas Vidal on Twitter. Go and follow him. Ian Perry, Slip Digby, and Richard Lodder. Episode 386, Belly of the Weeks. Steve's here, that's me. Ozzy's with us as well, so is Rapping Rob Kelly, Andy Patterson. The boys in the chat throwing in a few Belly of the Weeks. First nomination comes in from Connor Brennan for Billy Joe Saunders. Uh, he's a Belly of the Week contender, must be off his rocker. Billy Joe Saunders tells Canelo, if you beat me, don't pay me. Uh, Boxing Britain have nominated Wayne Rooney, talking about a tough training session. Rocky Fielding got stuck in on, uh, on his Facebook. Uh, your coach is a cracker lad. Me nan had one of them. 
it's quite a nice coach, actually, Rooney sitting on there. I think he must have been about 14 at the time. He used to do a bit of boxing back in the day. Uh, Mike Altamura, I don't know if you boys have seen this one. The unofficial Eddie Hearn fight camp action figure, courtesy of Dave at Lightning Bolts Action Figures. Amazing. Super Dicky uh, has nominated this one. Did you see it, Andy? The, it's it's unofficial. Hearn one. Unofficial. Eddie Hearn one. I even... Eddie Hearn action doll, aye. yeah. Aye, aye. I wonder what it does. I don't know. Bullies me, get always. I wonder if I buy one for my daughter. I wonder if it bully her. <laughs> you getting one, Rob? Action figure, Rob? No, I don't think he's interested. Just spews out manure, Andy, I think. Oh, why? Without doubt, mate. Without doubt. You jumping it? Oh, no, Rob's gone off. He disappeared. Uh, Tyson Fury uh, was having an, a fight with somebody, Nicholas Asprey, seemingly threatening Fury with possible murder. This was on Instagram DMs. I forgot to screenshot who sent it to me, so apologies about that. Uh, Sky Sports Boxing, Dillian White's WBC interim title and the WBC's prestigious diamond title are also now at stake against Alexander Povetkin, says Sky Sports. David Almond, 86, have nominated them for that. I've never heard the WBC's diamond title been uh, described as prestigious before, but there you go. Those wankers have done it. Uh, PJ Bennett, 18, has nominated Pernil Whitaker. Uh, Pernil says, nobody's undisputed at 135 until they see Devin Haney and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. He's got that email, Andy. He's the man. <laughs> yeah, Devin Haney. Yeah. Ken, um, I'm not going to get into it because uh, no, no any detail, but uh, I'm starting to get pissed off with these social media fighters and that, this Instagram era of fighters and stuff. Where you belong is in the fucking ring, right? Okay, I know you got your profile up and all that sort of stuff and that, but profiles are made in the ring. So that's the only place you need to be worrying about. It's just, just fucking shut up. Give peace. Yep, and he's not happy with Devin Haney. Jeff Powell has been nominated by Babs, amongst other people, talking about uh, how does Jeff Powell rank the three British heavyweights. He then goes through Daniel Dubois, Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury based on punch power, chin, footwork and experience. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I thought the uh, Tyson Fury one was quite funny when it came to chin. Yeah, Jeff wrote, Fury goes down now and, th and now and then, but usually gets up again. Well, he's never been beaten, to my knowledge, so I'd say he probably always gets up again. <laughs> <laughs> Did he actually write that, though? I don't Jeff, know. No, no quotes, Paul, man. I mean, just uh, footwork for Daniel Dubois, Andy. He's good coming forward. And ah. a chin, chin for Daniel Dubois. He says, <laughs> takes big blows without blinking. Just ask Nathan Gorman. I don't think Gorman landed a big blow, did he? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Is that, he must have Dubois' name in there, uh, mixed up with someone else, surely. <laughs> I mean, that's we've never seen. We've, that was one thing about Joyce and that we were talking about the other week. There was one thing he was going to ask questions about Dubois' possible durability in his chin. You would think, because you see, you know, one thing about these closed door fights was that you could hear the actual meat on Joyce's punches. Um, uh, Jeff's at it, man. Either that, he's, he's just lent his name to the paper and put that against. That's shocking, man. I've been to contact with Jeff a few times at ringside, and he's a friendly enough guy, but he's, he's like a confused grander, you know, you sort of want to take him by the, come on now, let's get you back onto the mm. onto the bus, you know, that type of way, but he's, he's all right. Give him a pack yeah. of World Originals in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ben Davidson has been nominated by Porky Russ. Uh, Davidson was licking uh, Shannon Courtney's arse. Uh, Shannon Courtney showed a lot of what you can't teach last night, then went on to show a lot of what she has learned. That's how I know she'll go on to bigger and better things, says Ben Davidson. 
Uh, Porky's not happy about that one. Uh, Marcus Bellinger has nominated Oscar De La Hoya, talking about the Raleigh... Um, who was it? R- Raleigh, Rolando Romero we were talking about earlier, Andy, the, the robbery. Wasn't it Romero you called that guy? Yeah, um, you're looking for the, the judge's name? No, no, no. Um, Oscar De La Hoya was tweeting about the fight. I was just making sure I was getting the fighter's name right. It was Rolando Aye. Romero, wasn't it? Yeah, so Aye, Oscar yes. was tweeting out Aye. about it anyway because uh, uh, King Ryan uh, Garcia had said something and Oscar said, this day I have no idea who is Rolly's. Is a perfect example of creating height and not backing it up. Typical PVC and Mayweather stable. I think Oscar had been having a couple of the old, uh, you know, you, couple of you, drop, drop of the you, old juice. He called the PBC uh, PVC. <laughs> you need to go and see some of the training videos of that Roland Romero, by the way. Honest to God, he, just, he thinks he's Floyd that, but he just puts his arms up. And he's kind of like blocking shots like Steven Seagal. That he fucking, he got uh, under siege in that man. You know, it's just fucking weird. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, Analyze Boxing, Mikey has been nominated by friend of the pod, Eggy Phil, hanging around in the chat there. Analyze was talking about Dillian White. He said, it's hard to ma- imagine Dillian stopping anyone in any other way. It's, as in the left hook, is a weapon of mass destruction. The leverage he manages to get on it is insane. <laughs> I think ISIS is looking to sign him up right now. <laughs> yeah, if we've learned anything, weapons of mass destruction are not always real. <laughs> <laughs> I just just asked Barry Heron. <laughs> That's what he said about Joshua. D- Dillian getting KO'd, man, by Dr. David Kelly. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, is, oh is how much are you putting on that knockout next week, mate? Which one, sorry? Pavetkin. How much are you putting on it? How much am I putting on it? We should put the Patreon on it, by the way, and just see if we can, you know, double our money. And just, you know. Yeah, I agree with that. Let me see if there's a prize quickly. Carry on, Steve, and I'll jump <laughs> Yeah, Andy, darling. Yeah, fucking throw the fuck. We're good for it. Throw the fucking Patreon at it. Come on. <laughs> we should do that. Yeah, let's, let's try and spin it up. So, fucking hell. Pavetkin's over three to one to win next weekend. There's some value there. For the knockout? No, that's just a win. Yeah, it will be. Method of victory. I'll go sevens. Uh, Yeah, just under six and a half to one. It is Pavetkin by KLTKO or DQ. Thanks, Steve. Get the Patreon, boys. Yeah, stick it on. Yeah, let's do it. I don't bet, so what does that mean? What what, what is six and a half to one? What do you do? do? Well, we've got over... We've got over three grand in the account there, so about enough to kind of, you know, <laughs> put you the holiday for you, well, you know. If yeah. you put, if Someone's you put got three grand in that anyway. Yeah, if you put a pound on, you get six pound fifty profit back, plus your stake on top, so seven pound fifty back. Right, we'll put a pound yeah, on. So- we'll double our Patreon subscription if it comes in. <laughs> yeah, so if we, yeah. If we, if we put the full account on three k, then we're uh, we'll get over twenty k back. So yeah, we're laughing. Oh, we'll we, could probably that, pay, we could probably pay the purses of Alan Babbitt, Sean Dell, uh, Winters. as well at the same time. Paying his quote. Dropping the ocean to uh, Dave Allen that he wouldn't even entertain us unless we're offering upwards of uh, 200k. Oh, I'll just throwing a council house at the same time, man, for his portfolio. Why the fuck does he think he can get 150k to fight Huey Fury? How much do you think Huey Fury was going to get? A fiver? So how is that fight worth fucking 150k for one of the opponents? What the fuck is going on there? Like, hey, 
mate, he, he turned all he turned um pushing 200k down he turned down just over 200k to fight daniel dubois as a combined deal he got he got over 100k to fight david price um he's turned down he turned down money to fight bacoli um turned down dubois he's turned down just he's basically turned down over like 400k in fights because he always wants more cash which for a guy that's not even won an area level title is crazy absolutely crazy Chucker is woken up. Is the pod still going? Well, I mean, I'm here talking. Are you there listening? That's the philosophical question on this Sunday evening, I suppose. We're, we're still... Am I awake or am I asleep? What's going on here? <laughs> He's more confused than Eric Walker after that left hook in the sixth round. <laughs> I think, Chucker, come on, man, we need to get going again. I think he's on the crystal meth tonight rather than the weed. He's like he's tweaking a wee bit. Just slept in four days. I'm Steve, fucking... he's, still, he's, still looking at, he's still looking at the matchroom card from last week. I don't know, something like that. So. <laughs> he's on like a three-week time lapse. He's still watching frigging, uh, what is it, Shakur Stevenson against Felix Carabao. He's just caught up on that one, I think. Jesus. No wonder he's almost fallen asleep. <laughs> he's a good lad, Chucker. Uh, anyway, A. Lawrence has been nominated by David Almond, uh, giving George Foreman his heavyweight list. Joe Kennedy has nominated Matthew J. Hunter. I haven't heard from Matthew in a while. A lot mm. of fans and media treat Eastern European and Central Asian fighters as the new great white hope. It's the racist roots of the sport acting out in our modern time through racist fans and media. Matthew J. Hunter is still on the cause. Long may it continue. Any nominations from you, boys? Ozzy, do you have anything for us? Uh, Shannon Courtney, why not? Um, suffered a first L on Saturday, uh, but it was more the manner she conducted herself after the fight. Um, typical spoilt brat. No, you know, like, no congratulations or anything. Just uh, an obligatory, you know, like, bump of the gloves. And then stormed out the ring, uh, basically tried to not be assessed by the doctor because she was so, I get you're upset, but look, still going to be professional about it. Uh, and the whole way throughout the fight camp week, she conducted herself as well, writing off Rachel Ball's achievements completely. Um, couldn't understand why fans were writing it off. Uh, and ultimately, it showed on Saturday why she was written off. So, yeah. If we can hand Shannon a W for uh, the value of the week, it does make up for that hand in that first pro loss on Saturday for sure. Lovely job. We'll add her in. There's another one, Andy, that we were going to mention here about the Majum of Eric Walker. Oh, you give it everybody for that one, mate. Just everybody commenting, saying it was the wrong decision and that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just uh, disregard those that made the comments that and just put Gary Ritter up, the referee. Uh, for his handling of that fight, just not just for that incident, but the entire handling of that fight was absolutely disgraceful. Um, I want to give a shout out to Ray Flores. Now, um, basically, he's calling out Frank Lombardi, who was the ref, who was judging the Roland Romero fight against Jackson Marinez. So, but, well, you you know who uh, Ray Flores is. He's, he's a commentator, blue by blue commentator for big Ray Flores fan. Nice yeah. guy, Andy. Is yep. So he's, he's basically called out saying, look, stuff like that is just purely upsetting and stuff. And it's uh, it was clear that you know, basically Maranez won the fight. Um, so we'll put up Frank Rombardi as well for Belly of the Week. Uh, Gary Ritter for his handling of that fight uh, against Madrimov and uh, Walker. Plus I want to put up Eddie Hearn for his basically sexing up like the weapons of mass destruction dossier uh, for his card next week saying we're going to be using an elite athlete exemption and they're going to make an international heavyweight fight that you're going to like. 
and he, he gives us Alan Babich against Schwandale Winters. So I someone get here. someone someone get one of those fucking action figures and teach me how to do voodoo, will you? For fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's my wife. She knows all that stuff. <laughs> Aye, so that's, uh, I think, oh, oh, Matthew Macklin for his commentary. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I'm going for him, actually. I forgot about that. He, he, he was shocking, but I agree with you. And we know it happens. They get fed certain pointers and things they have to hit, I think. And that, that's definitely the case there. Maybe Benavides as well for missing weight. Um yeah, that's about it. Oh, well, no, sorry, I'm going to put up a... Um, oh, who was... I forget the gentleman's name. Oh, that's it there. Yeah, apparently, a, a fight agent called Don Majeski is proposing a new weight division at £225 between cruiserweight and heavyweight. Majeski said it shouldn't be a, a super or junior title, but it should have its own name. He suggested Dreadnought Weight. Meanwhile, I can just imagine... A certain Mr. Mendoza lying in his bed, recovering from COVID, with his calculator out saying WBA title number one costs $250,000. Uh, you know, just, you could just see all these fucking dollar signs just come up in the eyeballs of Sullivan and Mendoza and Robert Lee and all these fuckers. You know, just, you know, just, we don't need more weight Cracking divisions. Division, though. Cracking no, the we, need, we need less divisions. That's what we need. What were they going to call it? Dreadnought weight. The dreadnought way. I think I'm up around dreadnought way myself. So at the moment, I'll be fancy that. Shocking, thing is, man. thing is though, Andy Don Majeski has previous form for these type of ideas. Do you remember back in the Box Nation heyday about five or six years ago? They had some kind of, I think Majeski was in with the WBC or the WBA or something. They had one of their oh, title yeah. fights That's on right. Box Nation live from Canada, I believe it was. Oh, and Majeski puts in this bonkers scorecard, like he's giving. 10 three rounds and 10 fours and like nine twos and all this type. And he comes no. off with this crazy shit scorecard at the end of it. I didn't mind that. I thought you were going to talk about the member that he was involved with. I thought you were going to say that remember WBC wanted to create a, a tournament to try and get a, a champion or a mandatory or whatever it was and they put Fury in it as well. I think we're going to mention awesome. that, but no, no. De- no def- Majeski definitely scored some mad thing, and Steve Lillis commented on afterwards, like he ended up with some stupid score, like I don't know, one hundred and one to one hundred and twenty-four or something ridiculous. Right, well, and Lillis said that Majeski had been working with that organisation, coming up with these madcap ideas. So he believes he was just trying to push his own agenda. I'm, I'm sure I don't. I haven't imagined that. Hopefully, someone listening can can remember that it was a yeah. Canadian fight. I'm pretty sure on Box Nation. Well, he's just made an R fucking you know great. Yeah. He has form for this. Oh, well, you know, hopefully maybe take it seriously. Please, man, as I say, less divisions, no more. Um, no. Yeah, I mean, uh, who I'll go for, I'll probably go for... What's the options again, sorry? Um, oh, God, there's loads. Jeff Powell was going on a bit heavyweight. So we've had Eddie's sex doll. And we've had um, Sky Sports saying that the WBC diamond belt is a prestigious belt. We've had... Um, what else have we got here? Oscar De La Hoya confusing the PBC with PVC windows. And Mikey at Analyze Boxing saying that Dillian White's left hook is a weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> that was quite a good one, I thought. Um, yeah, there's a few. Matthew J. Hunter. don't think he deserves to win it. No, no. Uh, um... Macklin. I'm going to go for Macklin, I think. Yeah, I'll go for Macklin as well. Two for Macklin. Ozzy, who are you going for? Yeah, Macklin. Commentary a disgrace. Needs to be punished for it. It's three for Macklin then, Rob. Your score literally doesn't mean anything, but let's hear it anyway. Um, yeah, it's got to be the it's got to be Matthew Macklin and Shannon Cotton this week. Had a stinker, like, um, 
fuck are these kids? There's like 20 kids out the fucking gate there. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Maybe the Shannon Courtney fans are coming to... Uh, You're going to get battered here. I want to mention as well... Um, Stevie McKenna over, uh, over giving uh, Ryan Garcia a bit of stick. Posted up a picture of him in training saying that he had beat him and that. Um, and Garcia took the bait and got wound up and that. So a bit of, bit of credit to McKenna who's normally a, a quiet chap uh, for putting it on Ryan Garcia. Late nomination, Steve. Roland Romero actually said he was going to knock out uh, Manieres in one round. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets handed a GIF 180-110 scorecard. Bloody hell. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's a good one. It's Matthew Macklin anyway. Episode 386. Congratulations, Matthew. Still winning titles, even in retirement. Okay, boys, let's finish up for the evening then, shall we? Good two and a half hours or so for you. Andy's been here from the start. Ozzy's been on with us as well. So is rapping Rob Kelly. No Yanks this week, unfortunately. We did have Maxi Hughes on, though. Thanks for Ben for sorting that out. We've had a good laugh this evening, as ever. Don't forget to leave all those ratings, reviews. Hit the thumbs up if you think we're good. Hit the thumbs down if you think we're shit. Uh, Belly of the Weeks will be going up on Tuesday and all the other places. Yeah, you know where we are. Uh, See you at the same time, same place next week. I've been Steve Wellings and bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.